You'll call somebody, text somebody, slap the shit out of somebody. Let them know that Rodian Radio is live up in this biatch. biatch, biatch. You got it locked on Rodian Radio. Yeah, Dr. Dre is in full effect, and I gotta tell y'all a little something. Easy E is down with us. MC Ring, you know he's down with us. DJ Yella is down with us. Arabian Prince, you know he's down with us. Tony A. The Wizard is down with us. JJ Fag is down with us. Timmy T, you know he's down with us. DJ Pooh Boy is down with us. Toddy King and Spade, they're down with us. My boy Ice Cube, you know he's down with us. I like to mention, so pay attention to where I'm from. Compton, but the tapes are from the rodeum. My name is Dre, listen while I play. And by the way, I'm also down with NWA. Yo, Steve at the rodeum is down with us. Slang and funky tapes, it is a must. We're number one. Welcome back, everybody, to Rodeo Radio, episode 86. And uh, I am your host, Tony A. the Wizard, with a few announcements. Uh, first of all, I want to thank everybody for uh, for subscribing to Freaky Tales Podcast. We hit 1,000 subscribers already. I think we're like a 1,070. So we want to keep it going because we go live next Friday, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, Freaky Tales. It's not going to be called Cocktails. This is Freaky Tales, where we talk about the paranormal, spooky, ghost story type of shit. Okay? So, thanks to everybody that has subscribed. Uh, we need more subscribers. We're trying to blow this up. Hopefully, if I can get this bigger than Rodian Radio, you know what? I'll hand Rodian Radio over to somebody else. Period. Anyways, uh, other than that, once again, we're going to start using this soon when we start doing our interviews for the Chicano Rap documentary. Uh, everybody who donated 50 bucks or more is going to be entered into a drawing. And at the end of the of the shoot, we're going to pick a name here. Whoever my guest is, is going to pick it, pick it out of a, a bowl or whatever. And uh, whatever name gets it is going to receive this. You're going to get to own a piece of history from the Chicano Rap documentary. Um, so once again, everybody that has given $50 or more, uh, if you still want to contribute, uh, no problem. You could hit it on the description here on our page or on my Facebook or on uh, my IG on the bio. You can still give if you guys like. So other than that, uh, the mixtapes are almost gone. I've got maybe just a few left of each. You can get those at DocuMixture.com. The Blu-ray should be here next week. People have been asking me. Can I pre-order? Uh, we're not really taking any pre-orders. So it's first come, first serve. We're only pressing up a limited amount. And that's pretty much it. So the first people that order, um, you know, hey, you get yourself a two disc of a Blu-ray of the Rodian Mixtape Documixery, which I like to call the prequel to Straight Outta Compton. So without further ado, please allow me to introduce my very first special guest of tonight, Leatherface. How you right doing? On. Oh man, I'm blessed by the best, man. Thank you for having me, Tony. I like Tony. that. I like that. Blessed by the best. Now, now, when we say Leatherface, there's no relation between you and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? Absolutely not. Okay, okay. Just making sure. Yeah. I said Ed Gain. Somebody said Ed yeah. Gain, whatever his goofy name is. But yeah, so Leatherface. Uh, um, now, let me ask you this. Where are you originally from? All right. Well, I'm originally from Compton. I was born in St. Francis, Linwood Hospital. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm an 80s baby. So, um, well, I grew up the first 10 years of my life in Compton. Okay. And uh, after that, you know, I, I went to Mexico with my pops. I was out there for a good minute. And then I decided to just venture off one day and I just landed in Houston. You know, so that's pretty much 
how that went, you know? So okay. uh, in reality, I'm a Cali made, but Texas raised, you know? Okay, okay. Yeah. You, you know, you know um, I've been to Houston a couple of times. I like it out there. The weather's a little wacky for me. You know, that's one yes. thing a lot of people like to go over there because <laughs> you get to buy cheap property, if you will. Not cheap property, but the, the property value is, it's, uh, how would you say? More you bang for your buck. There you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. But you know what? I know today is, uh, shit, I'd be forgetting sometimes from Wednesday to Sunday. Mm -hmm. Today's Wednesday, okay? I know we just got out of the weekend. How was your weekend? How did you spend it, man? It was good, you know, um, as usual, just working, grinding, you know, getting it, okay. staying consistent with, with my work and with my uh, with my movement, you know, as yeah. far as the music. If it ain't music, it's, it's, it's hustle. If it ain't hustle, it's, it's, it's work, you know, spending time with the family, you know, and stuff yeah. and just... Okay. Taking it one day at a time. Any, any children? Yes, I do have a daughter. Okay. She lives in Houston. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. All right. So, so yeah, she's 18. You know, she just turned 18 in July. You, you know, I mean, I already know the answer to this, but I want you to, how does it feel now having a older daughter knowing that she could possibly start <clears throat> dating? Well, I mean, I have, you know, I, I've been thinking lately, like, man, you know, I wonder who I'm going to have to punch out, you know? Right. Because I just feel a little overprotective, you know. She's she's my one and only baby, so right. I am kind of, you know, a little preocupado, you know, if you will. Yeah. But um, it's just part of life, you know. And all you can do is just try to guide them in the right direction, you know. Try to give them the best advice, and you know, uh, um, especially you know, when, through your own experiences, you know, all the bad ones, you don't want your kids to go through the same thing. So you want to be able to guide them and, and give them, you know, at least your version and share some stories with them and, and try to give them advice yeah to, to go on the better path that's good that's good you know uh when my daughter first brought her first boyfriend home i said he's your friend that's all i said we're gonna start with that mm -hmm. and then i introduced him to my gun collection oh nice that that was nice <laughs> so after that he lasted a couple of weeks and then he kicked rocks he was gone Cop goes. So, yeah, that's what you, that's what you got to do. You yeah, know? yeah. Because one thing I do believe in is, <laughs> you know, I always see this this little thing. Uh, anybody can be a father. Nobody can be a dad. Uh, to me, it's it's wrong. For anybody can be a daddy, right. but it takes a man to father their kids. Right. Absolutely. So I, I agree. I, I mm -hmm. believe in fathering their kids because if we don't father our kids, you know, the streets is right. The streets right. Are, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. And then we can look at them and you know, I mean, uh, quick story. Mm -hmm. Sad story. I had a buddy, um, had kids everywhere, just was just dropping bombs everywhere. Mm -hmm. Okay, he ends up going to jail. And some dude, uh, uh, keep in mind, he is a blood. Okay, this crip walks up to him, starts cussing him out, starts calling him out, and he said, "Man, what the fuck did I do to you?" And he said, "You don't even know who I am." He said, "No, I don't know who the fuck you are." And he said, "I'm your son." Oh wow! Exactly. That's deep. Yeah, that's deep. Exactly. So let's change the channel now, and hopefully, if you fathers out there are, um, you know what, it's time for you to uh, pick up your pants, go to work, and father your kids. Um, anyways, right. other than that, I mean, here I am preaching shit. <laughs> but uh, other than that, um, so you're in Houston now. How long were you there before you decided to come back? <clears throat> I was there for about a good, say, about a good nine years. Okay. How did you like that Houston life out there? Um, to be honest, it was it's a whole different setting, you know. I mean, uh, right away, you know, the southern hospitality. Yeah. It's just, it's 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 like it's almost like it. Well, it's obviously obviously a different world, you know. Yeah. But um, 
what I like the most out of the South is that their food, especially yes. the soul food. You know, I'm, I'm, I love soul food, you know, shrimp, Creole, gumbo, turkey necks, oxtails, and um, most definitely barbecue, smoke, you know, low and slow. I love barbecue and I do a little smoking myself. Right. And um, yeah, so that, and then the, the, hus the Southern hospitality, like if you go into your friend's house, if your friend invites you to, to, to his house or whatever, and you meet the missus of the house, whether it's his wife or his mother, whatever, and, and it's dinner time, and the lady of the house offers you something to eat, she serves you a plate, she, you know, and she's like, oh, you sit down and have something to eat, you know? If you don't accept that meal in the South, that's considered like disrespect. Right. That you turn down a meal from the, from the lady of the house because that's part of the Southern hospitality. Right. And um, you got to at least try it. Even if you don't like it, you got to <laughs> at least, you know, take a spoonful or two, you know. And uh, that's that's one thing that I did appreciate a lot because uh, growing up, you know, I was uh, exposed to a lot of a lot of uh, selfishness, you know what I'm saying? And a lot of it was just the complete opposite of what my experience was once I once I landed in Houston. And um, I just miss it, you know, because I've been out here in L.A. for a good minute now. And I'm back and forth, you know, but um, for the most part, I miss the Southern hospitality. So I tell everybody, but man, I've been out here since such and such time and I'm still homesick. Yeah. Because I miss that, you know, and uh, it seems like people are come, uh, most for the most part, people come from good stock, you know, very polite. I mean, you got your ghettos everywhere around the world, but for the most part, people are very polite. You know, they see you out there, you know, dehydrated. They're going to offer you a glass of water, you know. And for example, you know, in other places, you know, I mean, I don't know, in L.A., I never witnessed nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> They'll probably see you pass out on the floor and, you know, right. and just leave you there, probably record you instead, you know. And I give a shit pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. So it's just the difference, you know, and I'm not knocking it. I mean, hey, it's a dog world, you know, but, um, but yeah, the Southern hospitality, people are a little bit more slow boogie, you know. Right. More, more, more in tuned, you know, and, and, and it's kind of, it just feels... I love the country life. Now, you know? okay, the Southern hospitality. Compare that to the hospitality that you get here in LA. Well, then it's like a, a whole 360. No, no hospitality at all. At you know, all. it's just me. Like, you know, at my job, you know, it requires me to, to interact with, 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 with people, you know, with strangers, with customers and stuff. And um, they love my personality, the way I talk. And they're like, hey, you sound like you're not from around here. I'm like, well... I still got it, you know, but, you know, I still got it in me because I've been out here so long. Like you would figure that my, my lingo would change a little bit, but right. it has just a little bit. But um, people enjoy the way I talk. They're like, you know what? You're not a Chicano from out here. You're, 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 you're from the South. Or like, if I'm not wearing my hat, they can see my tattoos and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, you're from the South. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's dope. What do you like so-and-so and this and that? And, and so, yeah, people, people really like my personality. But other than that, I mean, I don't, I don't, I really don't, other than getting banged on all the time, I mean, I really don't get no kind of hospitality, you know? Right, right. Yeah. No, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, and I shared this before, I believe um, when Mr. Calvin Anderson, the owner of VIP Records was here, I shared how I had went to Louisiana and I didn't share exactly what part of Louisiana, I just said Louisiana, when I went to Louisiana, but it was uh, New Roads and um, Baton Rouge. Okay. okay, 1991. Mm -hmm. And uh, let me say this. I meet my friend's family. He's the, he's the black man. We go to his house, uh, well, his family's house. All black people live there. I walked in. 
I'm used to black folks here in LA, you know, mm -hmm. they kind of stare at you up and down. <laughs> they didn't look yeah. at me like a non-black, okay? Right, right, right. They just looked at me like a person, okay? Uh, sit down, son, you know, uh, uh, have some food. They had seafood gumbo, okay? Oh, nice. And I loved it. It was homemade seafood gumbo, okay? Mm -hmm. And then I saw this one white lady walk into the house. And I was like, what the hell is that white lady doing in here? LA mentality still, right, right. okay? Uh, um, her, the woman of the house, uh, I guess we're switching, by making pies or whatever. They were about to have a little festivity there at the house. Okay. But everybody there was, it was almost like everybody was just one color. Nobody cared what color you were. Yeah, and yeah. I, I know what mm -hmm. you mean by the mm -hmm. the Southern hospitality. Now you come back to LA, it's totally different. Right, right. You know, mm -hmm. it, you hang around with that black guy. You, you, you like that Mexican. Mm -hmm. it, I so when I went yeah, over there, off top, yep, it, it was it was really really, and I really yeah. really liked it. More unity. As mm -hmm. a matter of fact, out of all the places that I traveled, I always told people, uh, they asked me, out of all, all the places you've gone to, which is the place that you like the most at Louisiana? I was there for a whole week, mm -hmm. and not one time I went to the clubs, and I was the only white guy in there. Mm -hmm. Nobody treated me any different. I hung out at LSU. Some girls introduced us to a sixty-four ounce of Old English, huh. the, the sixty-four, not the forty ounce, the sixty-four ounce. Uh, um, and there I was drinking in the sun with them right across the street from LSU. Had a dope ass time over there. As a matter of fact, I even wrapped up a, 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 a towel over one of them, put it in my suitcase, and I flew it back. And I have a 64 ounce of old English. Nice. So <laughs> that's right. Yeah, man. But uh, so now, how long you? How long were you? You said about nine years, and then you. Mm -hmm. What? What made you come back? Well, um, it had been a good minute since I had seen my mother, and I was like, you know. Uh, since uh, I was out there pretty much uh, on my own. Okay. Had one or two kids out there, but really we weren't close. And um, I just wanted, I just wanted to, you know, to come back and just see the family again, you know, and just change the scenery or whatever. And uh, I decided, well, shit, let me go to, let me go to LA, you know, and see how mom's is doing, see how the family's doing. And that's, it pretty much just happened like that, you know, just, just jumped on the plane and just came down and, and uh, I felt I felt good, you know. I was like, man, this this feels this feels like I've been missing something, you know. Right. I mean, I guess like the family unity or whatever. It was short lived, you know. Truth be told, sorry, familia. I know you guys ain't gonna like that, but I mean, it's the bottom line. Like, you know, it was very short lived, and I, right. I peeped game to that right away. But for the most part, you know, it, it made me feel good. So I was like, all right, you know. But but I was still back and forth, you know. I would stay for a couple months. I would take off. I'll come back like a year later, you know, and so on and so forth or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now you know what. Growing up with your mother, you said in Compton, correct? Mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, what type of music were you raised with? Like, what would your mother play at home? Oh man, oldies. Okay. Oldies. You know, uh, you know, we're 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 a Chicano family, but we, you know, with a lot of soul. You know, Spanish music as well. I mean, I couldn't tell you, you know, the names of certain um, artists that would be playing because I really have no knowledge of of uh, who they who they were, whatever. Right. But a lot of Spanish music and. Um, Ralphie Pagan, um, James Brown, Al Green, you know, a lot of a lot of, a lot of funk, you know. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, that's pretty much what what I grew up on, you know, listening to to all kinds of classics and okay. soft okay. rock and stuff. What what, what what elementaries, junior high or high school, did you attend? Um, to be honest with you, um, I have a bad memory, but the only the only school I remember attending to before I left was uh, Ralph Bunch. Okay. I I believe it's in Gardena. Okay. It's like right next door. Um, I remember being there for for a minute, 
but it was it was short lived because I left soon after, you know, and that's that's the only memory I have of of as far as the school out here. Okay. Because when I went to Mexico, I I attended a what's it called a, a primaria? I guess it's like a middle school, mm-hmm. and I did I did like like three I, I did like two years, two years of that, and then I entered the secundaria and I dropped out like three months later. I okay. guess the secundaria is considered like a high school. Yeah, yeah. So I dropped out right away, and I just didn't want nothing to do with school and. I didn't know no Spanish when I first went out there, you know, and my dad was like, oh, you're going to, you know, aquí vas a aprender a hablar español and this and that. He spoke fluent English, you know, but but he's from the motherland, so he was right. like, you're going to learn how to speak like this. I'm not going to have my son walking around here like, a, like you know, you are a pocho, but I don't want you to put, you like, be a pocho like right. here, you know. I guess, you know, just uh, setting his ways or whatever he expected the most out of me. And that was cool. You know, it took me about it took me about six months and I was I was learning. I, I was speaking Spanish like like none reading, writing, everything. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I, I started writing my first lyrics in Spanish. Really? So I never really recorded any prof- like professionally, you know, a song in Spanish in which I do, by the way, want to want to do like a maybe a little mixtape or or an EP in Spanish. OK. Just to show my versatility on that. Okay, but I started writing in Spanish. And and, and and once again, how long were you in Mexico for? <clears throat> for about three years. Okay, and, and what mm-hmm. part of Mexico? Zacatecas. 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 Yeah, about three hours away from uh, Guadalajara. I remember mm-hmm. you, and my dad, and my grandfather. They have a trucking um, business out there, and they would haul cattle. Uh, well, it depends what time of the year, but it would we, we it would be cattle, pigs. Sometimes, um, what's it called? Uh, the corn when they when they when they shred the leaves or whatever the pas, pastura or something like mm-hmm. that is called or alfalfa you know vegetation like potatoes tomatoes or just all kinds of different stuff and i even remember like once or twice out of the year he would drive to uh it's called a uh, milpias jalisco it's like a it's like a town like deep in the in the sierra in the mountains you know and um they make they have a they have a company there that make tequila they make fresh mezcal and stuff like no that shit. and so we went in there and and i was seeing how it was being made they got big old chunks of the of the uh, what's it called the the mezcal or the pancas or whatever those right. things are called and they're and the machines are juicing them out and then they're shredding the the leftovers on the side and and that's how you know they do all their mixtures and stuff and they make the little bottles of like little pint sizes of mezcal so anyways we loaded 15 tons in, in his truck and we drove it all the way to uh chihuahua no shit. yeah to a liquor store i remember that yep yep wow. you know mm-hmm. one day hopefully if i ever get enough money i'm gonna make my own tequila man Man, that'll be dope i want to make my that'll own tequila dope. yeah I, I really really want to do that uh um so anyways yeah i'm over here thinking about fucking drinking already <laughs> but um anyways uh for the people that may not know what you're drinking uh uh what is that you're drinking Man, this is a uh, Disarono. Disarono. Yeah, it's a uh, it's an Italian liqueur. Okay. okay. It's not not too strong. It's a little has a little sweetness to it. You don't ever mix it. Uh, personally, I like the way it tastes, just like that. Okay. It'll be just uh, like straight, just like how I'm drinking it right now, or right. on the rocks. I enjoy it very much. Yeah, and I'm drinking una soda de manzana. Oh so. man. So that's pretty much what I'm drinking. After that's that, right. I'm gonna take a little sip of that. That's right. That's right. But now. Um, you look pretty stocky, man. Did you play any sports at all growing up? <clears throat> I'm gonna be honest with you. Well, when I was in Primaria over there, and and the town is called Santa Maria de la Paz. Uh-huh. When I was over there, I tried 
our, at recess time, I tried um, being friends with some of the guys over there. I, I wanted to hang out with somebody because I was always a loner and people right. were just looking at me like I was an exotic animal, you know, because they didn't understand, <laughs> they didn't understand, you know, and um, I said, man, I don't know how to play soccer, you know, but that's literally all they play here is soccer. Yeah, soccer that's or it. boxing. Yeah, Mexico. and we didn't even have that. If they had that, I would have been on that, you know, Yeah. because I, I like those kind of sports. But but um, all that was available there in the town was soccer. And so um, I said, well, sh well, well, let me get in there and try to play, you know. So I told one of the guys, let me play, man, you know, let me, let me get in there. So I, I did it like the goalie. You okay. know, I did the goalie for a couple of weeks. And uh, one of the guys, one of the guys didn't like me. We ended up having a problem after school. I'm kick your ass and this and that, you know, and they, we... I got into it or whatever, so I guess the whole school was against me because I was like, like this male witch, you know. I didn't belong, you know. It was very weird, you know. It's almost right. like they discriminated me, you know. True. Kind of like uh, you're not Mexican enough, and I, I, I've gone through that. Just, same just, shit just like how 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 they make us feel like we're not American enough here. So it's kind of like stuck in the middle type of deal. I'm glad you brought that up mm -hmm. because I've had Mexican friends, even though half of my family was born in Mexico. My mom and dad born in Mexico. Okay, but I was born here. Okay, but when you got Mexicans that come from Mexico, mm -hmm. uh, some of them thought not only were they more Mexican than me, but now even more American than me. <laughs> you know, and I yeah. there's always been like that, that division like, yeah, you're a Mexican from over there, you're a Pocho, so mm -hmm. whatever. But shouldn't even matter, man. You know, I don't, I just don't know who, who even decided that that was a thing, you know, right. like. It's just right. the way I see it. We're all Rasa, you know what I mean? And I love everybody. Love and respect to everybody, you know? Exactly. Until they cross that line, and then that's a different story, you know, because I'm a man first before anything. But other than that, man, I got I got love for everybody, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, growing up, you play any instruments at all, man? Well, um, <clears throat> not growing up, you know, but uh, in my early 20s, I did, I did try to uh, master the accordion. Okay. Not, the, not the piano style one, but the one with the buttons. Yeah, I I forgot the brand that that I had the privilege to use for for some time, but it was like uh, it was made in Italy or whatever, and um and I was I was trying to master it, but I had a I got a cousin that 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 plays twelve string guitar. Okay, and his his style is called requinto, you know, and uh, he him and his boys they have a, they have a group called Los Tres Gallos y Sutua de Oro. Shout out to them, and um. As a matter of fact, you guys can follow them as well on IG, Los Tres Gallos y Sutua de Oro. And um, I tried, I tried playing the accordion or whatever, and um, I just, I just couldn't get it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it just wasn't in me. I feel like when, 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 when something is in you, you know, when you have a thorn to do something, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna come, it's gonna come naturally, you know. Right. And I was kind of like forcing it, you know. I was kind of forcing it, and I said, man, I, I would get frustrated. I didn't have the patience. And it takes time, you know, to be able to master it and to play it a certain way. Right. And the style of music that was playing at that time, I was trying to adjust to that. And I was too used to the old school way, you know, and they're like, no, you got to play it like this, you know, and this and that or whatever. I, I just got frustrated and left it. I'm like, I'm good at writing. I'm just going to stay writing, you know? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, now, let me ask you this. Um, growing up, what was some of the first rap that you got introduced to? Like, who, who were some of the artists... <clears throat> And who possibly did you hear from? Was it on the street? Was it through a brother? Was it through a friend? You know, mm. how did that come about? Kid Frost. Kid Frost. Kid Frost. This is uh, this is for La Raza. Yes. That actually, my dad, my dad is a big fan of Kid Frost. Okay. 
shout out to Kid Frost, you know, and uh, he's a big fan of Kid Frost. And I remember being uh, in the car with him, and and he would he was he was bumping it. He, this is for La Raza, you know, and uh, he would be all into it. He'll be looking at me, you know, singing the singing the the the, the rhymes, you know, and, and smiling. That was his song, you know. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, yeah, because I never, other than that, he'll be listening to a lot of oldies or Spanish music. So when this song came on, he was like hype and just, you know, he was really feeling himself. And I was like, man, this this is cool, like to see my dad like that, you know. So I'm I'm interested, you know. Yeah. So I just started gravitating towards, you know, a lot of a lot of rap and and hip hop or whatever. But I never really knew what artist who was who or what the name of the song was okay. or nothing. I would just remember like I listened to a song or. Or if I'm going through some tapes or whatever, and I hear a song I like, I just put it. I just keep repeating it and and try to learn the words. And then I would I would try to, you know, I I I'll get a stick and and break it like to a to about the size of a mic and then be in the backyard and pretend like I'm that artist, you know. And I'll yeah. be like, you know, my uncle Ruben had had built a a stage right on the side of the of the garage yeah. in the backyard. So it had like two steps going up and it was it was a stage it was all wood and then uh it was actually in in the middle of it was a a big um avocado tree so 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 that's where where me and my cousin would hang out and stuff and i was kind of like the leader of the pack always you know when everybody would go to my grandma's house and um i would be the performer you know and okay. and, and the rest of my cousins would be the pretty much the crowd you know okay, okay. so so that's that's and how i started you know and when you would perform you would just <laughs> rap all the lyrics like, yeah yeah okay. I, w I would pretend that I was, you know, rapping the song that was playing or whatever, and I would try to, you know, do the moves or whatever. And if I got to watch a video, I would, I would try to mimic that, you know. Yeah, yeah. And that's even with oldies too. Like sometimes I, you know, be at a when I was younger, I used to feel like, man, I want to sing. You know, I want to learn how to sing, but I just, I never really took it serious either. You know, I never really got into it or whatever. I feel like I don't have the type of voice. Maybe I just don't have it in because you got to sing from the gut, not from the from the tongue or whatever, right, like they say. Right. But a lot of people tell me like they're like, bro, you have like a what's it called? What's the word? A dial tone, dial tone voice, like mm -hmm. kind of deep or whatever. So he's like, he's like, you could you could be like a like like a Isley Brothers style type of singer, you know? No shit. And I'm like, well, shit. I mean, that would be nice. That sounds nice, but <laughs> to be able to actually, you know, to 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 actually execute something like that. Yeah, I just don't. I, I just never seen it happening. I never tried it. Never gave it a try. Okay. You know. Okay. Yeah. Now, now, what year was it that you went to Mexico? And about how old were you? When I went to Mexico, I was ten. Okay. Yeah, okay. I was ten. It was actually uh, January. It was actually January. Yeah, it was January. Okay, you don't remember what? Ninety-five. Ninety-five. Okay. Now, now, the reason why yeah. I ask is mm -hmm. because. Out when you went to Zacatecas, mm -hmm. were they bumping any rap at all? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Was it pretty much the same thing that we're bumping here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, can you remember if any? What was the hot the hottest song out there during that time? Not okay. Actually, um, Control Machete. Okay. Control Machete. Um. And the name of the song was uh oh my god, the name of that song was Control or something like that, and it was uh playing on a cassette. And uh, it just kept playing, and it, it was pretty popular. You know, it, it lasted for like at least eight months. Everybody was bumping that song. Dame, 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 dame todo el power para que te demos en la madre. Something like that, you know. And it was wow. like Control Machete. That was a group, you know. And uh, I don't know any names to their to their songs or whatever, right. but I was listening to them after that. Okay. And another artist I was listening to a lot was uh, Aquid. 
Akwit. Okay. Akwit, yeah. I yeah. was listening to him a lot as well. I was also into Mana, you know. I like Mana a lot still to this day, yeah. you know. Of course. Yeah, so even when I work out, you know, and I got my headphones on, sometimes I'll put some, you know, I'll put some on on or whatever. Well, I rarely ever listen to rap, bro, mm -hmm. honestly. Yeah. Uh, um, of course, I have to make time to listen to rap. I'll put on some mostly old school shit that I listen to. Mm -hmm. But when I'm in my car, I'll bump whatever the fuck. From That's classical right. music to Nirvana to Ozzy Osbourne to Black Sabbath to some Rodden. Um, what the hell is it? Um, that dude, um, the dude with the fucking, it was like a fucking... A chicken, um, Rod Stewart. <laughs> Do you think I'm sexy? Oh, Do you man. really think I'm, I've been bumping that shit too? Um, but a culture club, mm. you know. Um, but yeah, man, I've been bumping that shit. Now, around how old were you when <clears throat> I think you might have covered it when you actually started writing raps? Okay, um, I would say I would say 14, mm -hmm. yeah, about 14. And at that time when you were writing them, you weren't recording anything no, just yet, right? No, no, not at all. Okay. I had about 10 notebooks worth before I even tried really? recording. Before I even uh, was introduced to, to a studio, period. Pre-recording oh. studio at that, it was nothing major, but... Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. We're going to go ahead and press pause right there, yeah. and we're going to come back after a 10-minute break. But uh, other than that, we're going to pick up where when you had these t 10 notebooks and when was the first time you actually went into a studio. All right. Okay, and we'll go from there. So everybody, once again, this is my first guest today, Leatherface. So make sure you call somebody, text somebody, pay somebody, slap the shit out of somebody, let them know that leather Leatherface, got to get that right, It's in the motherfucking building. We'll be back in 10 minutes. Go get yourself something to drink because it's hot in here. Yes, I'm going to take off my clothes. <laughs> Welcome to Rodeon Radio, and I am your host, Tony A. The Wizard. We started a GoFundMe page because we need you to help us meet our goal. And our goal is to release a Chicano rap documentary. And we need you to be a part of this. Everyone who contributes will have certain incentives offered to them. For an example, I'll name one. Your name will be on the credits of the film. Everyone who gives, everyone who contributes, uh, their name will be on the credits. That's just one thing that we have to offer it. But yet, if you read the description, you see other incentives for your contribution. If you've seen the Rodian Mixtape documentary, you will not be disappointed with this documentary shining light on Chicano rap, the Chicano culture. It is something that can be used as an educational tool uh, now and in the future. So once again, help us meet our goals so that we can start production. And remember this, we have a voice and we will be heard. Welcome everybody back to Rhodium Radio episode 86. And uh, I think I'm gonna start drinking just a little bit early because I'm, this guy tempted me with his fancy drink that he brought. But without further ado, please, uh, Leatherface, can you serve me a little yes, bit, please? Sir. Absolutely. Yeah, serve me a little bit and we'll yeah. go from there. Um, uh, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go ahead. And, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Gracias. Gracias. Other than, look, look how much. I'm going to fucking start getting, I'll start stuttering and shit. Mm -hmm. As long as you don't hacksaw my face and wear it when you leave. Mm -hmm. the face. Okay. No worries. No worries. So, okay. You started writing at about the age of 14 you yeah. said you had about maybe 14 notebooks already written of 10 notebooks. about 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 10 yeah okay. okay and these are just all lyrics uh, all lyrics songs. you know a bunch of just scribble scrabble you know a lot of it didn't really make sense you know i mean i i think that a lot of artists share the same 
the, the right. same beginnings, you know, for okay. the most part, depending on how early you started and how, how your, your, your skills were then and how you develop over time or whatever. Right. But That's but yeah. actually pretty good. Yeah, it is. It, it reminds me of um, the medicine my mother used to give me to go to sleep, <laughs> or, uh, Formula 44. Uh, so That's so. right. Hmm. Yep, yep. I wait. Other than that, um, from that point on, from the age of 14, when did you actually start recording? Maybe not professionally, but to the point where you're hearing yourself back, like you, whether you record into a karaoke machine and you mm -hmm. played it back. How did that come about? Well, uh, back then, you know, I was, uh, I was, I was uh, sm uh, smoking Optimo blunts. You know, we had the, the, the hydro and, and the stress, of course, you know, and I was at a Shell gas station. I was standing in line. I was getting ready to buy some Philly blunts, you know, and um, there was a there was a guy standing behind me, and I was rapping. You know, I was just freestyling, like just 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 like rapping out loud a little bit, as I was waiting in line. And the dude behind me was like, was like, hey, um, he's like, hey man, he's like, you you rap? He's like, what what you go by? I'm like, oh, I don't go by nothing. Like I didn't have no name for myself or nothing, you know. Right. And uh, I was like, nah, I just be bullshitting, you know, just. You know, just kicking up dust, you know what I mean? That's it, nothing serious. Just a pastime, you know, just to to exercise the mind. And he was like, he was like, say, man, he's like, look, I'm so-and-so, you know, he's like, how would you like to go to, I'll take you to a to a multi-million dollar studio right now. He's like, he's like, we could get some shit going. Like he was, his name is Curtis D, Curtis D Walker. And um, he introduced me, he introduced me to, to his family, you know what I'm saying? He, and uh, he had, he had some connections out there in Houston, and um, and so yeah, lo, I, I guess uh, he pretty much he pretty much you know the proposal that he gave me was it was good at the time. Yeah, I was young though, you know, <clears throat> about fifteen, and um, the proposal that he gave me was 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 that he would sign me to his label, right, and uh, we would do an album, and. Uh, it would be it would be pretty much like an eighty twenty type of deal. Like, um, I would get eighty percent, and he would get twenty percent or whatever of the sales. You know, and that in those days it was straight out the trunk. You know, like you get off at outside the mall, we would be outside Sharpstown Mall and just see, yeah, yeah, like five dollars CDs, five dollar copies, or or ten dollars or whatever. You know, so the way I would do it, I'd be like, just give me a donation, like, you know. But um, I'll get to that right now. But yeah, when he took me to the studio. It was uh it was all right studio, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it wasn't no multi-million dollar studio, at least not at, not at that point. But um it was with uh Pat, his name is Pat and uh, Pat Rodriguez. We went to his studio and um and we 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 recorded one song. Actually, I forgot the name of that song. We never really did nothing to it, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it just kind of just stood on the back burner. We didn't put it on the album. And uh, the name of the album was The Son of the South, The Son of the South. And uh, that was like, like I said, way before, you know, right. streaming platforms and all that. I didn't know what the hell was going on. I just knew that I was going to the studio and I was making some music, you know. And um, yeah, like the first time I heard myself, I didn't like it because I had another expectation. You know, I heard myself different in my mind. Yeah. When I would write the lyrics, I was like, OK, well, I'm going to deliver it like this, you know. And when it came time to execute, I delivered it, but it just didn't sound the way up to my expectation. You know, it didn't sound good enough. So it would be it would be times where I was just 
re-recording, re-recording like two, three hours just trying to do one song because I just didn't like the way it was sounding, you know? Right. It's not like I was, you know, stuttering or, or stumbling on the words. Was or nothing. it just your just delivery? Didn't. Yeah, like I wasn't content with my delivery, but everybody else was bobbing their heads and they're loving it, you know? But I just, I didn't like it, you know? I didn't like it and it got to the point to where they approved it. They're like, no, bro, this is good because I never approved it. And long story short, the whole album, I didn't approve one song. I didn't like not one song out of the whole album. And you were what, 15 at yeah. the time? Yeah, so I didn't, like, I didn't like not one song. And that's the honest God truth. And um, because, because I didn't feel like I delivered good enough, it right. made me not like the beats either. Oh, and they wow. were all original beats. Like it wasn't nothing off of, you know, YouTube or, or you know, anything like that. No, no, uh, no instrumentals from other artists or nothing, you know, but um, I just kind of, I was, I was very discouraged, you know, with that album. I felt like, man, I could have made a better impression like this and like that or whatever. But like I said, I was young, you know, these guys were like in their mid thirties already, you know, um, good people, you know, but at the same time, I just, I just feel like they didn't, he, I just feel like he didn't let he didn't let me reach the heights that I knew I could, you know. Right. <clears throat> and we were we were put in a lot of positions to where other record labels were trying to pick me up and give me an opportunity better than what he was able to, and he wouldn't he wouldn't let up. You know what I'm saying? Like he wouldn't he wouldn't accept the offer that they were giving him because I, I as far as uh, as far as I'm concerned, I'm sure they offered him something. You know, at that time. Uh, as a matter of fact, Tony Draper with uh, Suave House Records, uh -huh. um, there was a time when he met up with him and there, there, we had made a couple of songs and with me and uh, Killer Kane, a couple of other artists or whatever. Yeah. And um, out, of the, out of the whole group, so Tony Draper liked it, my music, you know, he liked it, my style, whatever. And it was, I guess at the time he was like, hey, man, you know, this guy right here can do something. So they offered him a distribution deal and some and some money you know and um he didn't accept because he felt at the time he's like no well we're, we're gonna get something better than that well that better never came that was that was that was that time and that was it you know how long were you with them for a, total? for about for about a good for about a good four years oh shit but after but after the after the album was done like we did a couple of mixtapes or whatever and and those were using instrumentals and stuff like that. So it kind of got sloppy towards the end, you know? And um, I just wasn't feeling it no more, bro. And I just had a shake, you know? I had a shake and I said, you know what? I'm just going to do my own thing. But when I ended up coming to California, I kind of just dropped it. You know, I said, you know what, man? I'm just going to find a job. I'm just going to do something else. Like I was, I was already like over it, you know? Right. My cup was full at the time. And um, I was like, man, I'm going to leave this alone for now. So to be honest with you, you know, I dropped I dropped the ball for about a good so for so I would say I dropped the ball for about a good uh seven, eight years before I started my doing writing again. First, yeah, before you started going. Yeah. So so you released one album at the age of about fifteen mm -hmm. and then you uh came out with uh mixtapes. Yeah. How, how many total projects did you release under him for those four years? Just two. Okay, just two then. Yeah, just two. Just two. So you yeah. pretty much, would you say man, that sweating, sweating it, like a like a runaway slave, man? Uh, 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 would mm -hmm. you say that that was a um, good learning experience, or would yeah. you say it was, yeah, a, it was a waste of time? 
No, it was a good learning experience because, I mean, you know, they say that the best teacher is, is life experience. You know, you have to experience things yourself sometimes and go through the trials and tribulations. And uh, that was just a chapter in my life where I had to learn that, you know, not everybody that, you know, offers you, you know, something that you're that you're missing at that time doesn't mean that that's that's the best ticket, you know. But at the same time, I got to be a man and say, you know what, I do thank him for the fact that he did take me to the studio. You know, he 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 provided the the he gave me the availability that I didn't have before I met him, you know, so maybe if he would have never introduced me to that at the time, I probably would have never went to the studio. Right. I probably would have ended up doing something else, you know? Right. And he just saw you at a gas station now. Yeah. It was just coincidence, you know? Wow. And um, I don't know. I, I, I sometimes I think to myself, would I have, you know, tried to do something with, 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 with my writing or whatever? Would I have tried to do it, do it on my own? And I keep thinking it over and over. And the most, the, the most part, I say no. I probably would have just stayed working, selling dope, doing something else, just not music. Right. So he he so 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 how they say that you, people come in your life either for a good reason or for a bad reason or to teach you a lesson, you know, and to 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 show you something that you didn't know, you know. So I just feel like he was he was one of them people that was supposed to be in my life for the time that it was, and uh, to kind of like open the door to something that that I needed to take on or whatever. It was just already yeah. in the books. You so know, I give him props for that, but other than that, you know, he's he's a he's a, he's a pretty shitty individual, and I don't give a fuck if he's hearing right now. Okay, you know. Okay, well, you're yeah. saying what you feel. Yeah. Um. Now, now let me say this: uh, the name Leatherface was that always your name? No. Okay. No. G give us your other names if you had others. Yeah, I actually had two others. Okay. All right. So, so when I first started off, like I said, with with Accord Records, mm -hmm. um, I was Lou G. You know, I was Lou G. Not Lou King. Nah, <laughs> that would have been dope. Nah, um, yeah, but but Lou G, you know, and um, that that was I was running I was running with that, and I wasn't comfortable with it. I always been an unhappy, like unsatisfied type of dude, you know. Yeah. Like I'm never satisfied, you know, and uh, I'm not saying that it, like 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 to say that my expectation is high or I'm or I'm trying to go up above God's boundaries or anything like that, but. I just always been that person like no, nunca estoy contento but with myself not right. like i'm not satisfied with people it's just myself like that's right. how i am i feel like i can do better always good, good and um and yeah so i wasn't really feeling the name so after a while when i start when i when i left the music alone and i came out here and i started you know to write again and stuff i was like you know what i used to love uh i used to love Se uh, sega genesis man i used to play it a lot man and um, one of my favorite games is uh altered beast Mm. Altered Beast. I don't know if you're familiar with that game, Altered Beast. Um, no, no. Okay, well, it's, it's like a, it's like it's, it's it's one of them video games like action or whatever, and you're fighting like werewolves and dragons and stuff, Sounds and dope. and uh and 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 every every level every level you will power up. You know, you'll get emeralds or whatever, and they would make them bigger and buffer, and it would be like power up. You know, you would become this big beast and start just kicking ass. You know, and I'm like, I feel like that's how that's how I'm gonna do it. You know. I'm gonna just get in there and I'm gonna just tear shit up, you know? And I'm like, I'm gonna run with Altered Beast. Okay. You How know? long did that last? That lasted, it was very short, probably like a year. You know, and um, and then I was like, man, that shit ain't, it ain't cutting, you know? And this, and then uh, uh, <clears throat> a lot of people that were around me were like, bro, you can't just change your name like that, you know? Like, right, right. you gotta just stick with it, you know? And uh, I mean, I feel it, but at the same time, I'm, 
I just never really took too much importance to the name. I just feel like, man, if they feel my music, they're not going to give a fuck what my name is. But that's just how I feel. You know, I mean, I could be, you know, definitely wrong about that, you know, right. and it could be a bad look or whatever to most people, you know, to, to hip hop fanatics or whatever. They might look at that as something bad. But um, there's a lot of artists right now that that are famous that have done that, you know, and um, just to name a few, I think it's two chains. Two chains. Um, well, I think he, he had a different name. I forgot what his other name was before he he became famous. But he did a song on uh, one of uh, Ludacris's uh, mixtapes or one of his early albums, I believe. And he was under a different name. Yeah. And then, yeah. like so many years later, he came back as uh, Two Chains. Well, it was like Puffy mm -hmm. and then P, uh, P Diddy and whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay. So we just landed on Leatherface. You know what I'm okay, saying? But, so, well, what inspired Leatherface? Because I'm thinking Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, okay. I'm going to tell you what was going through my mind. I'm like, okay, so I'm in Cali, you know, and I'm pretty much out here most of the time. So I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm going to be gaining my popularity here first in L.A., you know, and that's and that was the goal. Like, I want to I wanna gain my fan base here yeah. and then just take it back down to the south, you know. And I was like, how, how can I kind of express myself so people can can know that you know what I'm saying I'm I'm a Texas rapper, so I said Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Leatherface, so it's like it's unmistakable, you know what I'm saying? Like okay, Leatherface, why Leatherface? Because I'm from the South, you know. That's dope. You know, and I'm into horror movies and stuff like that. Like I'm a horror fanatic too, you know. So okay, so Texas Chainsaw Massacre was one of my favorites for sure. Okay, now you just opened up a door that you shouldn't have with with me. Because right. <laughs> uh, next Friday, we're going to go live with our Freaky Tales podcast. Okay. Okay. And we're going to be talking about the paranormal, ghost, spooky ghost story type of shit. Okay. Uh, like real shit, real experiences. We're going to talk UFOs, aliens, <laughs> uh, fucking, you know, demon abductions and or fucking uh, uh, demons raping women or whatever. Okay. <laughs> uh, give me some of your all time, if possible, three horror movies. Okay. Or scary movies or whatever you want to call Okay. Um, the first nightmare on Elm Street. Okay, that's one that I lost sleep. Uh, you know, a couple of times because of that Ready? movie. And uh, the second one would be Pumpkinhead. 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 You know that one right there. A lot of people don't really. They when, when I mentioned that, they're, they're like Pumpkinhead. Like, I guess in, it wasn't as famous as, uh, as right. some, most other right. movies, but like I'm a I'm a movie critic. Like, and I collect a lot of movies. I have movies all from the '70s on till recent. Funny say um, pumpkin head. There was a girl at the gym. She had a fine body, but had a round ass face. We used to call it pumpkin. Punk, face. Oh my god. Pumpkin face. Wow. But, okay, so pumpkin a pumpkin head. Pumpkin head, and um, I would say the third one and the most scariest one to me would be the Exorcist. Of course. And the part, the part where when when the girls going crawling down the stairs backwards and like looking like a spider. I just posted that on the Freaky Tales podcast IG page. So follow us on Freaky Tales podcast man. IG page. And I was. <laughs> Yeah. I was shook after that movie, man. I promise you, I could not. At the sight of my eye, I, I would think she was coming, you know. And uh, yeah. man, I was I was devastated for a long time because of that movie. You'll be shocked. But I loved it though, and I kept watching it. You'll be shocked how old I was when I when my mother took me to go see that fucking movie that traumatized me. I was six years old, bro. In oh first wow, grade. six years old. In first grade, and well, I'm gonna say some of my stories for freaky tales, but yes, a bunch of crazy shit i seen a bunch of shit as well but that movie 
to me is the scariest because there were years, years, decades before mm. its time. Yeah. How many movies do you see where a girl says, fuck me, stabbing herself in the fucking cross with the pussy? Oh, you know, my God. I mean, <laughs> stabbing her pussy with the yeah, cross, yeah. you know? Oh, my God. So, that's crazy. Yeah, bro. So. Yeah, that that's one of a kind. It's one of a kind. Yeah. All the other ones, I don't really like all the, the new ones. That Are you a Michael Myers fan with. at all? Yeah. I like Michael mm-hmm. Myers. What about yeah. Conjuring, the Insidious? The Conjuring, yeah. That one as well. No, those mm-hmm. are spooky. But, but, I like, but I like, I like Fred, Jason. Jason. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny how Jason and Freddy usually kill people when they're fucking. Uh, um, you know, Jason will walk in. There's a girl riding the dude. Yeah. She's like, huh, huh, huh. This motherfucker goes and slashes her uh, ass up, and I'm like, okay. Anybody who's not boning is safe. Hit, hit, hits her with with the bigger dong. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I know a yeah. lot of guys that are safe. Man, but uh, um, I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm not safe. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, okay. So now you you're with that guy for about four years. Mm-hmm. You take pretty much about a seven year break. Mm-hmm. What inspired, if you will, want to call it this, for lack of better words, the comeback? What inspired it was pretty much boredom. Mm-hmm. That's the honest to God truth right there. Boredom. Um, I had a lot of energy, you know. I mean, I was working graveyard at the time, and um, it just happened one day on my on my lunch break. I was outside smoking a cigarette. And um, <clears throat> a car passed by and was 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 uh, bumping a song. I don't know who the artist was, but the beat was smooth, and I I was feeling it. I was like, man, that sounds hard. I could have I could have wrote something nice to that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how it started. And so after that, like, I would say like maybe a month, a month and a half went by, and it was just a thought in my mind every day, you know, like just just I should just start writing again, you know? Okay. Fuck it, you know? Now, Nothing serious, just y- write. Your you know? first move into getting music who did you contact did you just wrap up for instrumentals did you do, um you know youtube beats okay all right well i, I contacted pretty much uh, some uh, producers from from youtube it was only a couple of beats that i did like that and um i got the leases or whatever and i just did like four or five songs like that and um i was a liquor store clerk at the time and um one of the customers that would go to the store like on the regular he uh he had told me he's like hey i have a pre-recording studio if you know anybody that that needs to record music or whatever like let me know like i'll break you off or whatever i'm trying to you know get some business going in the area or whatever and i said well shit i said how much you charge an hour you know what i'm saying like it, it just happened like that yeah you know he's like oh like he like you 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 do music and i just said yeah you know and he's like man just come to the pad after work just come to the pad i got you you know and so that's how it happened. He had a little pre, he had a little microphone in his closet or whatever, and and uh, he had like a little bullshit computer or whatever. Like, I don't, I don't know how you know the the gadgets or whatever, you right, know what right, their right. names are or nothing. But but um, yeah, that's pretty much how it happened. And from there, I just started, I just started writing. I started writing. I was recording more, and um, I moved, I moved up to to other to other studios. I just started networking more, you know. I just started stepping out of my box or whatever, and I just started networking with people. All by yourself? All by myself, yeah, pretty much, you know. And um, I met a couple of cats along the way, you know. Did a couple of uh, collaborations with, with a couple of groups or whatever, but but nothing nothing major, like, you know, no no big names, you know what I'm saying? Fuck them too, straight up, yeah. you know. It seems like I don't gangbang, but I got a lot of enemies, you know. For some yeah. reason, it's like it's like that, you know. People, people take a liking to me at first, and then out of the blue, they hate me for some reason. 
I wonder why that is. I don't know. I, and sometimes at the beginning, it's like they made me feel like, okay, like maybe something's wrong with me, you know? Like, do I, I rub people the wrong way? Why? You know? But um, I just still to this day, there's no explanation. It's just one day to the next. They just don't like me all of a sudden. Yeah. You know? And I, and I just I, I just call it like maybe maybe it's my personality. I don't know. I don't really I really don't know what it is because when I take a liking to somebody, I show them mad love. Yeah, that's just how I am. You know, I show them mad love. And even when they start acting funny, I still give them the benefit of the doubt. And when they keep acting funny or whatever, I, then I, that's when I start pumping my brakes. But I just I just never understood why people just didn't like me. I mean, I could count with one hand the times that I've wronged somebody. And that was like early in my teenage years, you know, like yeah. I just don't I don't understand what the, what the reason is or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, mm -hmm. you know what? I mean, uh, with me today, it's it, it all comes down to why haven't you interviewed me yet? What's taking so long? Mm -hmm. That type of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, no, I, I understand. You know, you so. got your hands full, you know, I mean, you got a lot going on or whatever. Sometimes, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, you yeah. just wait for your time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, like I remember when uh, Misfit told me about you. Mm -hmm. You didn't hear from me for a while. Right, right, right. You know, yeah. it, was, it had been a while. Mm -hmm. We were recording a song. That yeah, day. yeah. Uh, and and mm -hmm. I was like, and here's what I said. Okay, cool. That's all yeah. I said. Yeah. You know, have him submit his music. Have him this. He, right. You went through every, the procedure, and then you got your call. Right, right. That's just the way it works. You right, got scheduled. Right. You didn't get scheduled right away. You had to wait a little bit, and then we're here. So I'm glad you're here. So now, thank you for having me. Uh, mm -hmm. You're you're welcome. Um, you released something recently. Yeah. Um, let, let us know. I, I don't want to say Gucci sandals, Gucci slippers. You know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, Gucci sandals. Actually, with uh, with Bruce and Liasco. Shout out to them. You know, what I'm saying out there in AZ, and uh, shout out to Pamps and the whole OGP camp. Uh -huh. Yeah, Gucci sandals, man. That's a that's definitely a dope beat. I love that beat. You know. Who who produced that track? Honestly, I don't know. OG Pamps knows, but I don't know who produced the track. Okay. I'm gonna be honest with you. But okay. when I heard it, I loved it and I just wrote to it on the spot. I was actually at work. So yeah, since, I wrote since to your it. comeback for the for the for the public that may not know, uh, have you dropped any albums in e any EPs or anything? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, definitely. You know, tell, um, tell us a little bit about that. Before 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 my uh my collaboration with OGP, in which I'm collaborating, I'm working with them right now on a on an EP. So, so um, definitely the people that, that, that support my music and stuff, they can definitely look forward to that in the near future. And, um, but before that, <clears throat> I was with Mob G. Okay. Mob G, shout out to Spooks and Spantos yeah. and the whole Mob G camp. Yeah, um, so we put out uh, the drip effect. We put out the drip effect. And um, as a matter of fact, I got an album for you. I got to bring it out of my truck. Dope, dope. And um, yeah. So, now, so now that's why the drip effect? I could kind of make an idea of what it. Okay. For the fans. Well, it has nothing to do with, 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 with like, you know, no jewelry or nothing like that. Right. It has more to do with like, uh, like, a, like, like, like gradually, you know, evolving. Okay. Like uh, just a silly example or whatever, like a, a leaking sink. Okay. You have a glass that's sitting right up under the faucet and the faucet is dripping just like my face right now with all this heat <laughs> and um and uh after a while you know the cup's gonna gonna it's gonna fill and it's gonna overflow so i just i just felt like the drip effect it it it, it means that pretty much my life my trials my tribulations and i decided to work open back up 
that chapter in my life yeah. and continue the music. And it's like, okay, this time I'm going hard. I'm going harder than ever. You know, it's it's like I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna just hit it hard until I just can't no more until it stops. And that's God's calling. I don't know when. Right. And um, it's a drip effect. So eventually it's overflowing. So I'm starting to do a lot better now. I have a better fan base now. I have a better understanding of the the, the analytics and everything of, of, of how this music works. Yes. And what I wish I knew in the past. Right. And um, I'm networking with a, with a much larger, you know, uh, um, variety of people, you know, that are in the industry, videographers, bloggers, uh, producers, engineers, artists, you know. As a matter of fact, uh, shout out to Chicago, man, and, and Dallas, El Paso, and uh, Washington. They support my music heavy. Dope. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, since then, uh, you dropped just this, uh, 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 the Gucci song. The Gucci's, uh, since that album to now, is, was there anything I, else in between? I dropped a couple of singles okay. on my own uh -huh. with my boy Hectic out of Anaheim. Shout out to Hectic. And um, we dropped a, a couple of singles together or whatever. And um, Any uh, visuals that people can look up? Yeah, actually Ghettos. Okay. The name of the song is called Ghettos okay. with, with me and Hectic. Okay. And um, we did another project with Cyrus out of Arizona also um, featuring Hectic and uh, myself. That's another one that's called On The Move. That's a pretty dope song. That that that, that song right there is, is giving the most uh, streams right now. On The Move. Okay. On The Move, yeah. And is this I'm getting a lot of streams on that song. On YouTube, on your page, or what's it on? That well, it's, a, it's not on my page because okay. my page is still in development. I'm still trying to, you know, bring it up. Okay. But, um, it's and there's no visual to it. Okay. It's just like pretty much on all streaming platforms. And I guess uh, through uh, through TuneCore or whatever, it's uploaded onto YouTube. But as a as like under topic or whatever, it's not it's not that I uploaded it to my channel or anything. Okay. So we do have uh, plans on doing a music visual to that. Hopefully, you know, see those will probably do a visual to that, okay. maybe a remix. Okay. And yeah. in closing here, because we're going to be running out of time, mm -hmm. what can people expect from you? What are you going to have dropping after this single that you just dropped that people can actually see on Latin Beast? On Latin Beast, okay, well, definitely the EP okay. with, uh, with OGP. Okay. And um, I got a couple more singles that I'm going to be delivering. And I got some more work with Mob G that I'm doing. You know, I mean, there's there's just so much that, that that's coming right now. I mean, I can't speak on the names of the titles or anything like that, but it's definitely, you know, more visuals are coming. Uh, would you say this year? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, by next month, I'm already going to have more visuals. You oh. know, it's going to be, yeah, definitely going to oh. be dropping some content. Okay. Yeah. Well, brother, we come to the close of your interview. Uh, I'm thankful that you came. I'm thankful Appreciate that uh, you gave me the time to interview you. Uh, is there anybody you want to give a shout out to right now? the time. I know yeah. the heat is beating you up. Whew, man. You know, you know what I'm, I'm saying? I'm showered. I'm showered right now. Like, wow. You know what's crazy? Because, like, from, like I said, from like July to like September, uh, that's like the hottest in here. It's a hot bar. It's like a sauna in it, here. It, after that, bro. But it's that's like, good though. Like I'm burning some calories right now. That's yeah. I yeah love you're it. to look skinnier. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, so yeah. go ahead and give your shout outs, brother. And All then. right. Okay. Well, shout out to OGP, OG Pamps, and the whole OGP camp. Shout out to Mob G. Shout out to Sponto. Shout out to Spooks, Sleepy Malo, Trouble P, King Cash. Hey, the whole camp, man. It's all love and respect. It's your boy. It's your partner, Leatherface. You know, and um. Shout out to Irez, shout out to Audio, shout out to 100, and a couple of more around the way. Underground Chemists, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, Sony Slick Beats, shout out to Blasto, 
you already know, baby, it's much love and respect always. I didn't get to have some michelada, you know, say maybe I'll have some before I leave or whatnot. And, um, and uh, yeah, just much love and respect, man. And I appreciate everybody. Much gratitude. Yeah. All good, my brother. Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, let me go ahead and say that I give my shout outs at the very end, but... Uh, he brought me some 805 beer. I'm about to crack one open. Uh, you guys go ahead and fix yourself a michelada. Go get yourself a cotele camarón. Have your girl in a G-string. By the time you guys get back, it's about Ooh. to get good. Ooh My boy Namix in the motherfucking building. So make sure you call somebody, text somebody, slap your lady across her fat ass with your big fat cock. <laughs> and we'll be back in 10 minutes. Don't run over. Yes, sir. Welcome back, everybody, to Rodium Radio, episode 86. You're back now at the Golden Shower Hour with the podcast that slaps across your fat ass with a fat ass dick. So before I introduce my special guest, um, once again, Freaky Tales podcast goes live next Friday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 7 p.m. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast, uh, Freaky Tales podcast on YouTube, and make sure you follow us on IG for all future announcements, flyers, guests, whatever. And uh, once again, I'm still promoting this. This is what we're going to be slating everybody in when we start doing interviews. Uh, we're going to have everybody on this Chicano Rap documentary. And everybody that gave $50 or more, we're going to enter your name, if you will, into a bowl, like a raffle type of deal. And we're going to go ahead and uh, pick out a winner. And after it's uh, uh, the, the documentary is finished, we're going to give that away to somebody who donated for free. We're not going to charge anybody, whatnot. So other than that, uh, without further ado, Please allow me to introduce my special guest, my longtime waiting friend. I should have been here a long time ago, but you know what? We finally made it work. Namik. What up, what up, what up? It's in the motherfucking building. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, doing good, man. How are you? You good? Yeah, man. You know what? Me, today, I woke up, told my son, let's go get some breakfast. We went to a place called Corner Bakery. We got some oatmeal, and then we started uh, running the beach. We started doing our cardio, you know? Okay. I don't ever want to slack, even though our fucking gym is closed. Mm -hmm. You know, I like to stay in shape, but I think I fucking tweaked my knee, man. And it, ah, I, I'm walking around almost like feeling like fucking Frankenstein or some shit, dude. <laughs> yeah, but it'll, it'll running on better. the sand, bro. Running on the sand is no joke. I, I know, I know. Um, other than that, man, um, I know it's Wednesday, but how's how was your weekend, man? What did you do this weekend? Uh, this weekend was a uh, pretty interesting, man. We uh. I know there's not a lot of shows going on right now, but we're still able to make something happen in the city of Riverside. Rocked a little car show out there with uh, Boulevard's Finest. Shout out Boulevard's Finest. We made it happen out there. Good little family gathering out there, man. So that was fun. That was on Saturday. Um, Sunday in the lab all day, knocking out custom songs. I'm, I'm really a lab rat at the end of the day, man, right, you know, right. especially during this time. So, yeah. So. And, and you know what? I'm glad to hear that because, again... I've shared this on previous episodes where people, uh, rappers, have told me, oh, you know what, I'm not really even trying to ride. There's no shows. So I'm just waiting for this to, to pass on. You know, we never know, we don't know how long this is going to last. Yeah, man. For you know, real. so we got to learn some type of new hustle, you know, exactly. Uh, um, somehow how to get out there in the public people's faces. And you know what? I'm thankful and thank God for uh, YouTube, for Instagram Live, Facebook Live. Podcast where, and everything. Yeah. I mean, right now, we're probably in about a thousand people's homes. Beautiful. You know, and they're watching us, hearing us talk about things that we love to do, like music. So, um, I think, as a matter of fact, let's go back to when I first met you. We were at a video shoot, and I forgot the name of it. I think it was called... Um, that one was called a So Loaded. 
Solo. The, the, the homie Invincible. Yes, Invincible. Produced by Battle Cat. I remember that. Yeah, that was yeah, dope. Yeah. First time I met you right there, man. Good vibes, good vibes. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, well, first of all, let me say Invincible. Much love, much respect to him. Salute. Um, and uh, Battle Cat. Salute. And um, I had me a good time that day, man. I know, I forgot. I'm trying to remember where me and John had just came for him. And I had called him and he says, come through. But, oh yeah, you know, as a matter of fact, it's weird. I, I believe it was, um, we had just came back from doing a photo shoot, getting ready to start up the podcast. Like we oh, met okay. with a, a lot of artists. It was we, a good year ago, huh? Yeah, Somewhere, yeah. yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, September 11th, next month will be one year nice. of this podcast. Nice, nice. You know, Congrats. And, uh, thank you. You know what? And I didn't think I would be here this long. You know? <laughs> Hey, you're doing a pretty good job, my boy. So I, I see it here for a longer, longer, very, very long time, man. So. Well, you know what? I, I, I like it. I really enjoy it. But I'm really looking forward to the, the, the paranormal one. You oh, know? yeah. The freaky tales, right? Yeah, man. I mean, it's because we all grew up with fucking scary movies, scary stories, scary uh, family tales that they tell us that yeah. the devil appeared to them in Mexico or whatnot. That's cool that you're into that stuff, too, yeah. man. Me, too. Me, too. So For reals? Yeah, I like, like certain things like that. I've yet to experience something super crazy or very supernatural but i just i'm real into stuff like that and right you know maybe one day let's hope that not that i'm trying to be like a hater when i say this but let's hope you don't experience it I because feel. when i experienced it i couldn't fucking move like i couldn't fucking move yeah. i don't care what type of gangster you are what hood you're from when the fucking dark silhouette stands right in front of you you ain't gonna be able to shoot his ass uh, yeah, yeah. and you're gonna be able to knock him out he doesn't care what hood you're from yeah, I've experienced that. Okay. And that, that was pretty crazy. You, you, you're frozen. Yes, yes. You ever yes. seen the dude with the black hat? Stuff like that? Not, not with the black hat, but I've heard stories about that. Yeah. I heard yeah. stories about that, yeah. So. Crazy stuff, yeah, though. Yeah, So now, uh, uh, where are you originally from? Where were you raised? I was uh, born, raised in San Gabriel Valley, West Covina. Okay. Born, born in West Covina, Queen of the Valley. Um, was living in Baldwin Park for a little bit. And okay. Now Irwindale. So pretty much a San Gabriel Valley, man. Six two six, born and raised. Okay. I, I go hard for the for that valley, you know. You, you know what? I, I got love for San Gabriel, and I'll tell you why. When I was a young teenager and I was in junior high school, my sister used to date a guy from San Gabriel. We always lived here in Wilmington, yeah, but yeah. she met a guy at some nightclub, and he was from San Gabriel. Sangra. So yeah, yeah. So he would always drive over here in a in a Fiat, little old old ass Fiat. And um, he would take us to clubs, like 16 and over clubs or whatever. And I wasn't really old enough, but he could get me in. Yeah. He was a DJ. He used to belong to a group called Desire back in the days. He's the guy that actually taught me about new wave music and then uh, high energy slash disco. You know, So I always credit that to San Gabriel Valley because that's the guy who taught me, schooled me about shit like that. That's what's up. That's yeah, what's up. Man. So San Gabriel played a role in my you know, DJ in, career. In the history. That's yeah. right. Yeah, so um, that's beautiful. And, and was that before it was the six two six? Yeah, right. That was like back when it was the A one A still. Well, probably. Th this is definitely eighties. Yeah, yeah. So d definitely eighties because I um I mean this used to be two one three now it's three one zero. Yeah, exactly. You know, so now uh you grew up there. Now a as a kid, what, do do you come from a big family? Uh, somewhat. A lot of my family's in Hemet. You know, okay. I, I got I got some family in Pico and stuff, but for the most part, um, brothers and sisters. Just one sister. Okay. One sister. Okay. You know, so it's not, not too big of a family, you know, no brothers okay. and stuff. So my, my big homies kind of played the brother role, okay. everything like that of me growing up. All right. So, and and, and uh, what type of music would your parents play as, as you as a child growing up in, in, in the home? 
Man, I uh, I was raised on the funk, bro. The, the Gap Band stuff like that. Of course, oldies don't mm -hmm. stop. Um, but but really influenced by by bands and, and groups like the Gap Band, Stylistics, you know, the Whispers, Temptations, stuff like that. And um, you know, I, every now and then, you know, I'd, I'd bump some alternative rock. My mom would come through with some like some stuff like The Cure, The Doors, of course, I love stuff that like that. Morrissey can't go wrong with all that <laughs> shit either, right? So. Well, I, th I feel like we all need a little bit of that to, of course. just to get out of that hip hop, the hip hop realm for a little bit, man. Because yeah. we could get uh, dumbed down and brainwashed in this rap thing. I truly feel, man. It's very, that's very, very true. That's why I don't bump rap, if you will. Not that I don't like it, obviously, but it's just that after a while, you got to give yourself a break. Yes, for sure. For you know, sure. you got to give yourself sure. a break. So um, now, 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 let me ask you this. Say, um, I would ask you, uh, what type of music does Namek bump in his car? like on a daily basis what type of music is it a variety is it one style do you bump your music um it's a good question i'd have to say if i had the choice to, to listen to an album or to listen to a mix it consists mainly of like some old school g-funk okay and uh, a lot of people are realizing that's what i'm about and as i do these interviews everybody's like okay that fool really is g-funk man so i'll probably be you catch me bumping some quick obviously you catch me bumping some battle cat Catch yeah. me bumping some some DJ Pooh, some Daz, some yeah. of that type of stuff, man. I'm real funky with it. That's dope. Real funky with it. I like that, man. Uh, do you at all like any, well, I'm sure you do, but any East Coast uh, music? Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Um, I have a song off this last album that I dropped, which is called No Dress Code. There's a song called East Side on it, where I, I give nothing but props to the East Coast. That's where it came from, bro. So, yeah. You know, I, I got to give daps to, to everybody who held it down. And I'm more of like a, not like a first or second generation hip hop, more like a third, you know. So I give it up to cats like Mob Deep. And I grew up on Nas and, right. and Pete Rock and, and cats like that, you know. Okay. So Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh -oh. Give me your top three. And it, they don't have to be in order. Your top three, if you had a name, uh, Namek Classic West Coast uh, uh, albums, your top three West Coast albums. If, if you had to be locked up in a week in a room and they said you only got three CDs, yeah, pick three. Who would you from, from the West Coast? Hmm. It would probably be DJ Quick, Balance and Options, uh, Dog Pound, Dog Food, and. Maybe just to keep it a little more lyrical, maybe like a Razzcaz, like a Soul on Ice or something like that, you okay. know? Wow. Something just to keep it a little more lyrical, because I'm a hip-hop head at the end of the day. Right. So, okay. shout out to Pac and, you know, and Snoops and the NWAs and all that, but like I said, I'm, I'm more G-Funk than anything, okay. bro. You know, I, okay. I, I, I really love the, the G-Funk sound, man, that real G-Funk sound, you know? Okay. Yeah. Mine would probably be, you know, probably... Yeah, let, let me know yours. Would probably be the first Chronic album. Okay. Can't go wrong. Uh, second would be the first Cypress Hill album. Mm. And then my third would be uh, The Ghetto Boys, My Mind's Playing Tricks on Me. Now, I don't know if that's cheating because that's not really yeah, West Coast. Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Texas. So I'd probably say DJ Quick, Safe and Sound album. That's beautiful okay. too. So now let's go to the East Coast. Your top three, doesn't matter what year. Top three, you got to be locked up for one week. You got mm -hmm. three albums you got to pick. Man, uh, just because it, it brings back a lot of memories when I was in placement and I was able to 
keep CDs by my side in, in placement camp. And, you know, growing up, it, it really uh, influenced me. It would probably have to be Talib Kweli's Reflection Eternal. Um, Slum Village, fantastic. You know, shout out to Slum Village, man. Very underrated. I just like their style. You know, rest in peace, Jay Dilla. And uh, for a third one, you ever heard of The Last Emperor? No. Nah, he was from uh, Rockets Records back in the day. He did a lot of things with, with Rockets, and he he was actually signed to Dre right before they signed him. Right before Dre signed Eminem, I'm just, like like I said, man, these albums might not be known by a lot of cats, but I would have to say the Last Emperor, man, Legend of Bigfoot, which is a very underground album. Last Amp is from Philly, but uh, not a people not not a lot of people know about him. But those would be my three right there. Well, I'm I'm good at you're saying these because now is going to cause people to go look them up. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Know? Big up to the last ant, man. Yeah. So uh, mine would probably be uh, uh, Boogie Down Productions, KRS One, Scholar Rock, the the album by all means necessary. Mm -hmm. Okay, my one of my favorite ones in the '80s, man. Fuck me, and my homeboy used to write in his Suzuki Samurai, and I had the cassette from a record store called Music Plus. Then I'd probably say the first. Um, Eric B. Rakim album, mm -hmm. the first one. As soon as I heard I came in the door, I said it before I was hooked. Yeah, okay? yeah, that's what's up. And I probably have to say the first Biggie album. I I I, I love Biggie. So Biggie's a shit, yeah. man. Put it yeah. to I love him so much. I had to go to his house where he grew up at where he lived. I went to his neighborhood, I went to his mural, I went to the corner where you could look up on YouTube where he's rapping in the you know, Oh yeah, yeah, the freestyle. I, yeah, I was right there. Right there? Yeah. So oh. Yeah, see, it's it's hard when you when you ask a question of three albums, or you you know you want someone to give you the answer three albums. It's like, man, there's so many albums out there. You can't just choose three. I, I know, but, I know, but, but yeah. But, but if know. I had to twist your arm, yeah. yeah. yeah so right. so now, um, um, for people that might have grown up around your area or might have lived there and now live in a different state, what uh, middle school or what elementary, middle school, and high school did you go to? Because a lot of times, a lot of people like to hear this thing. They're like, wow, I went to that same school. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, elementary school, I went to Manzanita in the city of Covina. Uh, my junior high was Las Palmas Middle School. Lots of crazy memories right there, also in the city of Covina. And um, I went to a bunch of different high schools, man. I know like a lot of other, <laughs> a lot of other juvenile delinquents out there, man. But um, Northview, Covina, Fair Valley, Boys Republic of Monrovia, Little bit of little bit of juvenile hard time and all that dumb stuff, but I graduated from Boys Republic of Monrovia, and that actually taught me a lot right there. You know, this was kind of like a probation school. Okay, met a lot of good people, met some counselors right there, and kind of changed my mind state a little bit on things. You know, so shout out to Michelle and, and all the counselors right there at Boys Republic. Much love. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. So now, um, uh, growing up, you play any sports? Yeah, yeah, I did some baseball, basketball. Okay. It's cool. I was pretty good until I met Mary Jane, bro. <laughs> you know, for okay. so, I, until probably I was around 13, 14 when I really started getting heavy and smoking. And, you know, I hate to say it, man, but, you know, I, I found hip hop. <laughs> I found hip hop and it kind of just, I said, peace out to sports, picked up the pen and the pad. And that just, it took over my life at that, at that age. No, you know what? It, it's, it's true. And I'm glad you shared it. I'll tell you why. It reminds me of when, I don't know if you ever saw, and if you haven't seen it, the Quincy Jones documentary on Netflix. Not yet. It's an incredible documentary. Mm -hmm. I don't recommend too many documentaries, but the Quincy Jones documentary is an incredible documentary. He said, I think he was 11 or 12 years old, living in Chicago, mm -hmm. and he was just walking around. 
okay? And he ended up finding a, a, a warehouse. He said, a warehouse that I had no business going in. I walk in, and keep in mind, up to this point, he wasn't doing no music. This yeah. is what he said. He goes, I walk into to this warehouse, and I, I find a piano. Dope. He said, and that changed my entire life. That's dope. Now, what happened? Did he play him or whatever he didn't share? I, of course, I would like to interview him and ask him, you know, because who doesn't like Quincy Jones? But he said that point changed his life. Like when you said, when you found hip-hop, changed your life. I was 11 years old. I go to a club. I see how my brother controlled the people by DJing. Mm. It changed my life. At 11 years old, I already knew what I wanted to do. Uh, 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 I mean, I went from popping, breaking, DJing, producing, uh, directing, and now podcasting. You know, That's but it all involves so. music. Exactly. You know, so exactly. uh, I always tell people, it's, if you're going to rap, rap. Also get into producing. If you can get into engineering, cool. The less that you can need people, you're always going to need a, a good team. That's mm -hmm. how you're going to win. It's a good team. Yeah, for sure. Okay? But the less that you can use them and try to get as much as done on your own, because for years, I didn't bother getting into engineering. I always had to wait for my engineer. I always had to wait for my musician to come. I always had to wait for my percussionist to come. Yeah, yeah. After a while, you're like, fuck, you I know? I feel you, bro. I know. So. Yeah, man. It's the, the more you're able to bring to the table, the more of an asset you are, yeah. like, the better it is in general, you know, so... You know, I I, I, I've sat in the studio with Quick, okay? I've been knowing Quick since he's been 19 years old. Yeah. Uh, might, might have met him when he was 18. But I've been knowing him, and I've seen him start a beat from scratch with the kick, the snare, the hat, the crash, the open hat, and then, uh, um, you know, uh, programming on the SP-1200, start playing the bass line, start playing the keys, start playing the strings, and then even start writing to it and built a song from the ground up, okay? That's dope. And I, I think to myself, wow, me, I'm the opposite. And he's engineering, tweaking every sound or whatever. I have to wait for my musician. I have to wait for my percussion because I didn't teach myself that. Yeah. So I encourage you and I encourage other people that are doing it. Try to, like you said, bring the more you bring to the table, the better. Yeah, exactly. You know? exactly. You'll go a lot farther. Um, so now um, you played uh, sports. Uh, this is a dumb question, but for the fans' sake, favorite basketball team? Motherfuckers who lost yesterday, man. Lake show all day. It's all good. I know. I know. We got it's, it. 24-7 Lakers, but that game pissed me off yesterday. For real. You it's, know, so. It's all good. It, we a, got it. We got it. Yeah. So, um, favorite baseball team? Dodger gang. Laker gang, Dodger gang, Raider gang. Okay. I know the Raiders. I wasn't going to ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, we'll, uh, we'll hey, hey, you that. know what? The very first CD this guy gave me, he goes, hey, do you like the Raiders? And I go, no. He goes, this is my Raider song. <laughs> hey, did you ever listen to it? Probably yes, I not. did. No, oh, I did? still have it. Cool, I, st cool. I still have it. Appreciate it. Yeah. And, and uh, um, um, you, you, know, you know what's funny? The first Raider rap song I ever heard, you want to take a shot of who might have done it? Ice Cube? No. Believe it or not, it was Slow Pain. Slow Pain. Pico in the building, right? That's yeah, he, right. he did a Raider song, man. Okay. And, and you know what's funny? Because a lot of my black homies don't bump like Chicano rap, okay? Mm -hmm. But they bump that song. You know, oh. I thought that was dope. Man. I, got, I got to hear that one. Yeah, look it up. He, the Raiders. He actually started off with the the theme from the Raiders. The, the, Raider the Autumn Wind, probably. Yes. Yeah. And it was actually pretty good, man. So uh, as a matter of fact, for the people that may not know, Slow Pain was booked. I was supposed to have him here last month, but he was going through some personal stuff, which I'm not going to talk about, and he had to re reschedule. So 
But oh, yeah, that was one guy that I was really looking forward to because I worked with Slow Pain in the late 80s, like 96, 97, somewhere around there. So That's cool, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully you get him over here. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, now, um, uh, you play sport. You ever play any instruments uh, growing up? That's one thing I never really got into. Uh, no instruments. As I make beats now and produce, I'm trying to learn the keys by myself. And, uh, yeah. You know, I'm trying to just be self-taught with certain things, but never really got too much into any instruments, man. Just right. my vocal tone is my instrument, you know. Right. I I, I knew her. Um, how to play certain notes, but I would play him for my keyboardist, and I said, "This is what I want to hear." And then he would just get on, since he's a natural. Yeah, he yeah. could kind of improvise and know what I want to hear. Yeah. Uh, before that, I couldn't even play notes. I used to hum. That's what I was just about to say. Yeah. For my producers, I'll be like, "Yo, I, I like it, like la la la, whatever, right. whatever it may be." And my genius ass producers be holding it down for yeah. me. Big up Gary Hoy and Frankie Valentine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, most dope producers could uh, could hear what you're hearing. And then, is it this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. That's the way you work. It's, and, and, I mean, to me, that's building a vibe, building a chemistry. Exactly. That's how you come up with hits, you know. Yo. So now, uh, who would you say, uh, as a youngster growing up, introduced you or, if you will, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Introduced you to rap. Like for me, when it, my first hip hop song was Rapper's Delight, obviously, I was in sixth grade and my brother brought the record home. He played it, I was hooked. Hmm. Uh, that was my moment of being introduced to hip hop. Was it just always around your house, around the streets? You know what, I've answered this question differently, but you, uh, you brought a memory back into my head. I would say, it's crazy because your answer is Rapper's Delight. Mine would maybe be the remix by the Def Squad. You know, a red man and Keith Murray and yeah. Eric Sermon. I, I remember that video when I was real, real young. And I knew there was a song before it. I just didn't know what it was until I got a little bit older. I was like, yo, this is pretty dope, homie. And I always loved Red Man. Right. So Red Man was... Let me take back that question from earlier. Red Man is, is my number one East Coast cat out there, okay. straight up. That's Reggie Noble, my G. Because he, he always kept it real funky. Right. Him and Meth. You know, more him than Meth, but Red Man always kept it real funky, man. So... Yeah. But uh, yeah, where we getting at? I said Rapper's Delight, the remix by the Def Squad was probably that first song that made me realize like, yo, this hip hop thing is uh, right. pretty dope. You know, that was an album that had a lot of remixes that a lot of rappers chose their like favorite old school song oh, okay. and they rapped it. That's what it was. Then. That's what it was. All right. Uh, and the reason why I'm sharing that is because I interviewed a guest here and this woman has been a friend of mine since I've been like 17 years old. No, 19. I met her 1987 through uh, Steve Yano. Her name is Violet Brown. Shout out Violet Brown. Yes. Yeah, she yeah. put that whole album together. What? Yeah. She contacted Ooh. all of those people. That's dope. Yeah. And said, I want to put together an album. Man, quick story with Violet. I opened up for Quick. I think it was a dog pound as well. Uh -huh. At the observatory in Santa Ana. And uh, yeah, I, I was opening up. I seen this old, older white lady right there backstage just kind of looking at me like, who is this dude right here about to go on stage? You know? Did my thing. Did my little 15, 20 minute set got off and she pulled me aside she was like hey you're an opener i was like yeah yeah just doing my thing trying to make my move she was like give me your car right now give me your cd we're gonna make something happen for you at that time i gave her like a mixtape that i really wasn't too proud <laughs> of you know so i don't know if she like listened to it and was like uh he all right but it was right before i dropped like my my album with the big homie cocaine okay which was a which was a start of really 
like after I dropped that album, a lot of things started happening for me. Okay, you know, so it, it, I met Violet right before I did that thing with Cocaine, and haven't seen her since, bro. But I hear a lot of good things about her. Yeah, uh, uh, Violet's a really, really good friend of mine. Uh, I can That's call cool. her whenever I want. I'm supposed to actually bring her back. She was actually the first person that I in, one of the first person that I interviewed that I said I want to have a part two. That's what I said, you know. Um, and I haven't really given anybody a part two yet because it, the way we strategize and the way we set up our interviews it's a little bit different from what a lot of people do mm -hmm. it's just not who wants to be first who wants to go on next yeah. we do things a little differently gotcha. but i definitely want to bring back violet brown and if you haven't seen her interview she has an incredible story she shares how how she used to be a dj you know a lot of okay. people don't know that about violet and now she runs a gym she ran uh, strange music for uh yeah um, yeah mm -hmm. uh, what's the tech nine the tech nine yeah so yeah. um Violet is kind of like that, like, it's good to have a friend like that because you can walk anywhere walk and, and mention. I met Hammer, shook his hand. I met him in the early 90s, and I just told him, hey, we have a mutual friend. He said, who's that? And I go, Violet Brown. Oh, wow. Hmm, he dope. knew. He knew it because Violet knows everyone. But anyways. Um, that's cool. That's actually cool that I guess she saw something in me then that day yeah. at that show, man. So. Yeah, and, and that means a lot because she just doesn't say that to anyone. Yeah, so, that's what's up. So that's a good thing. That's and cool. my, as a matter of fact, my, my boy Johnny knows her very well as well. Um, yes. Now, um, when, at what point in your life, at, at what age, did you actually start taking it serious, or maybe not so serious, but actually start writing? I started writing when I was like 13, 14. Okay. But... Um, what, what encouraged that? Was it just, I'm just going to try this? Uh... Honestly, juvenile hall, I went to juvie when I was 15 just for dumb stuff, you know, okay. fighting at school, graffiti, all that dumb stuff. Never got into gangbanging. Uh -huh. I ain't from Novario or nothing like that. It was just juvenile delinquency stuff, you know, tag, tagger stuff, fighting, all that, all that dumb shit. But um, once I was in juvie, I just realized, like, you're in there for a long time inside of, inside of a little box. I mean, you know, I was already introduced to hip-hop and really really involved in the culture I feel like already because of the, the graph scene and everything so it was just a matter of time before I was going to pick up the pen anyway so when I'm in there there ain't nothing else to do anyway sounds kind of cliche because I know a lot of cats in jail they, they pick up the pen and start writing and stuff like that or, or get into artwork and stuff but that's really when I felt like yo I think I got some bars I think I think I might be able to do something with this got out went to a different high school and and just kept writing, kept writing, didn't stop. And actually, uh, come to find out, once I went to this different high school, which was Covina High School in Covina, um, my homeboy, D-Cap, he had a little studio right across the street. Found out through a mutual friend, so I was like, yo, this is it. That's all I needed right here, dog. Right. I, just, I just needed a little recording spot, and that's kind of where it started when I was like 15, 16 years old. Okay. Yeah. And at the time when you recorded with him, um, did you guys start recording right away or not really? Yeah, right away, right away. And it wasn't like a professional lab or anything, but right. it, it was back in like the early to, or mid 2000s or something like okay. that, you know? So um, he had like a, might've been like a 16 track, eight track or 16 track like that, you know? Okay. So something like that was with some eggshell padding or whatever. And hey, you know what? It's a start. It's man. a start. It's a start. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, because we've all been through those days. Um, now, when you started recording, um, and you started rapping did was that your first time that, that you actually heard yourself trying to rap on beat because there's a lot of 
This is why I say this. There's a lot of rappers that I've seen just going through high school, like busting freestyles, okay? Mm -hmm. Then when it was time to record them, they could not stay on beat. Yeah, yeah. You know, did, did you experience a lot of that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Luckily for me, though, when I was like 14, I used to have one of them little handheld recorders, okay. the tape cassette recorders. Okay. So I used to record myself on certain different mixtape beats and stuff. So I was already kind of getting the hang of it before All I actually right. hit the microphone. You okay. know, okay. I had one of them little handheld things and used to always listen to myself, man. Like I, I was really, really deep into it at a young age, to be real. Okay. Now, when you would play back your voice and your lyrics, did you like what you heard? At first I did. And then I started listening to other people rapping like older homies. Yeah. And realized that I wasn't as good as them. Okay. You know, so I had to step my game up a little bit, and that's when I started writing more and and learn the bar structure actually, because a lot of people write, but they don't know how to count bars. That's the truth. Yeah, you know, I didn't know how to count bars till I was like sixteen, seventeen. <laughs> not not even saying that's old or anything, but I, I learned my bar structure when I was around seventeen years old, and that changed the game for me. Because yeah. then, because of that, I was able to learn song structure, and hooks, right. and everything like that. You know, so. And I'm glad you said that because I saw an interview years ago by Eminem, okay? Mm -hmm. And he said when I first rapped for Dre, that Dre just sat back and he listened to me. He goes, he played me like a three-minute beat and I rapped all the way from the beginning to the end. He said, okay, I heard you rap, you can rap, but you're not going to be a rapper. I need to teach you how to be an artist. That's right. Make a song. Right? Make a song. Mm -hmm. Make a song. So we're going to go ahead and press pause right there. We're going to take a 10-minute break. Uh, uh, we're going to go outside and chill out for a little bit. Sounds good. And we're going to come right back. So welcome back, everybody. And make sure you guys come back. Make sure you call somebody, text somebody, slap the shit out of somebody, and let them know that Namek's in the motherfucking building, and we'll be back. Yay. See you soon. When Rodeo Radio's popping... The pandas are dropping. You're back now at the Golden Shower Hour, and this is Tony A. the Wizard with the podcast that slaps your culture fat ass with a fat dick. So we're not going to waste any more time. We're going to go ahead and jump butt naked right back into it. So, Namek, what up, how you doing? Doing good, doing good. Um, Keeping it rocking. Yes, sir. So now you have a little recorder. You start recording yourself. You like what you're hearing. You hear other rappers that are older cats. You just got to step up your game. Hook up with your boy, and now you guys are recording. Um, yeah. What were you rapping to at the time? Instrumental beats? Yeah, yeah. It was a lot of mixtape, like a lot of underground mixtape stuff. Okay. Maybe some like, uh, my, my homie was real into like that Necro type of sound. So I was just taking what I could get at the time, you know? Okay. Not to say Necro's a artist that I never listened to, but just really wasn't my style or whatever. But shit. I, I was I was really at that time I was 16 years old, right? Fr just fresh, fresh out of a little placement camp, all that dumb shit, and I just was taking what I could get, man. So, right. uh, it, it was more on some like East Coast underground type of instrumentals that I was rocking on though at that time. Did you ever consider yourself maybe a freestylist? Did you ever did you ever try that? Do you do that? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like if, if you consider yourself like a, a MC, right then you should at least try to take up some freestyling. You know, at least know how to control yourself or hold yourself down in the cypher, you know? Right. You know what? Yeah. I'm glad you said that. And I'll tell you why. When the NWA movie first came out, I met this young kid that was a rapper. He was 18 years old. And um, he said, I just started listening to NWA. And I said, yeah. You're like, 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 who do you like? And he said, I like Mac Wren. 
Mac Ren. That's what he said. He said, I like, keep in mind, oh, he's like, 18 years old. Oh, okay. Like MC Ren, Mac Ren. Yeah. And I said, Mac Ren. I said, well, well, why do you call him Mac Ren? And then he said, well, that's his name. And then I said, spell Mac. And he put MC. <laughs> and I said, do you know what MC stands for? And he said, well, Mac. And I said, that's when I took it upon myself. Okay, let me not necessarily try to belittle him, but let me try to educate him a little yeah, bit. Put him up on some game. Yeah. So I said, no, it's MC. Mm-hmm. It's an abbreviation for something else. Yeah. And he said, what's that? And I said, well, Masters of Ceremony. Do you know what that is? And he said, no. So I went a step further. But a lot of these cats today, younger cats, they don't know this. Yeah. yeah. So that's why he called them Macron or whatever. You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. You know, but it's up to us to not necessarily to belittle them, but to educate them. But when a lot of these, not a lot, but when a lot of these young kids don't want to be taught anything, I don't waste my time. Yeah. I don't waste my time. It's so. messed up though, because it kind of just goes out the door and people forget. Yeah. But. Yeah. So, um, so now you start recording with uh, uh, with your boy. What comes next for you? Yeah. So, like I said, I was around sixteen at that time. Yeah. A couple years went by. I rocked a couple shows. Um, that, those were good times though, because I was like sixteen, seventeen. Now, when you say you rocked a couple of shows, like what did you rock them to? Which which you had recorded I, there? No, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I I did a couple a couple shows um just off of mixtape stuff that I had. It was cool because I actually rocked with like my first show ever was at the Alexandria Hotel, opening up for Funk Dubious, and I was like sixteen. Really? Yeah. And I, now, now, how did you get that show? from the homie who was recording me he was a few years older than me hmm. and he was already in the game for a little bit you know and i think he knew the promoter right there at the alexandria or something like that and i was able to sneak my ass up in there rock my set and pretty much got kicked out by security they, they, after after i was done performing they grabbed me off stage like you ain't too, you ain't old enough to be in here homie kick my ass out but yeah at least i was able to open up for funk dubious at 16 years old right so right that was pretty right. cool okay. that was pretty cool now that was your first show would you say yeah that was my first live show okay now yeah. um how did you feel man were you nervous at all were you scared or were you just like let's do this no nah, i was nervous i was nervous really yeah because i was the youngest one in, in the spot obviously and you know opening up for funk dubious i had been listening to them for a few years at that time and it was just it, it was real nerve-wracking, man. I was 16. <laughs> you know, simple as that. Okay. But I, I got used to it after a while. Yeah. Okay, now let me answer this. Um, since I'm not an MC, I'm asking for people that may not know mm-hmm. uh, what an MC goes through before they go up on stage. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, is it, what goes through your mind? I don't want to get booed. I hope I don't forget my lyrics. Are they going to like me? Um do all those things go through your mind or not really can you share a little bit about that yeah i'm well as the years go on and now i'm never worried about getting booed i'm not worried about if they're gonna like me or not right if if i was worried about something it would just be um memorizing my lyrics Hmm. that's that's the main thing now you know but that really ain't no thing it comes to second nature now okay yeah i I got it unlocked and I'm, i'm i'm the type of and I consider myself an MC at the end of the day, you know. Yeah. So I prefer to rock live sets like without my lyrics in the background and stuff, unless we're talking about my choruses and shit, you right. know. So I just I always have that MC gene, you know. I, I got the MC gene embedded in me, so that's what I rock with. That's dope, man. Because like me DJing, I can go up on the turntables and just start rocking shit. Like 
Yeah, you dope, like, my G. Hell yeah. You know, like I, I don't give a fuck who's who's there, who thinks he's dope or whatever. Like I don't care. I got into the point where I'm thankful that I got so good at one point mm -hmm. that I truly believe that I could have kept up with anyone. I, and I don't mean by saying I was better or I can beat. I don't mean that. I mean like I can just keep up. I can hold my own. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. pretty much what I'm saying. That's what's up. You know. Um, that's what's up. Is there any MCs out there right now that in? Maybe I'm using the wrong word, but like intimidate you, like oh shit, that guy. <laughs> uh, well, you have to believe in yourself, right? Of course. So like, you know, I'm I'm down to go heads up with anyone when it comes down to this rap thing. But hey, shit, there, there was times when I was like at Power 106 or 92.3, and uh, actually I was at 92.3 at the J Crew show a few months back, and there was some cat right there named Harry Mack. You ever heard of Harry Mack? No. Man. This fool got freestyle bars for days. I'm giving him mad dabs right now, but hey, he deserves it. That, that cat was in there just freestyling off the top, kind of like some supernatural, some MC Juice type thing, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, shout out to that cat, Harry Mack. When I seen him freestyling and I knew he was freestyling, I was like, ah, shit. We got an alien on our hands right now, you know? Right. Yeah. Now, can an MC, again, I'm not an MC, mm -hmm. so I'm asking an MC. Can MC knows when he when the MC's not freestyling and he's just rapping like some memorized lyrics, or can you tell when he really is freestyling? Yeah, I feel like I could tell when the MC's really freestyling. Okay, you could just see it, you, you could feel it, you could feel the vibe. He might be talking about certain things that are around, you know, the modalos, the action figures, or whatever it right. may be, and you uh, could tell. Growing up, I knew more freestylers than songwriters. They could freestyle their ass off, but when it came time to write a song, they couldn't. Yeah, and that's the, that's crazy. You you would think it would be very easy for them, right? Exactly. And I've known people that write beautiful songs, but can't freestyle. Can't freestyle a lick. I, I'd rather have that guy than the freestylist. Me too. Me you too. Know? That's kind of how I feel like I am too. Even though I, I'm I'm the technically the defending Power 106 Freestyle Friday champion. Uh, shout out, you know, shout out Power 106 and all that. I, I really feel like I'm better at writing songs still. Like, okay. I prefer writing a song than, than freestyling or, or putting someone down in a cypher in a battle, you know? Like, what's okay. the point in that? You, you know, um, okay, as far as DJing, we always definitely, always leave definitely a room for improvement. I can get better. I'm going to get better. Hmm. Uh, we never think of, like, okay, I'm, I've arrived, okay? Do rappers always, like, I'm going to get, I can get better. Do you still feel that way about yourself? Like I can get better? Oh yeah, of course. Okay. Well, I, I feel like I could get better with uh, song structures and just like creating songs a little bit better, you know? Okay. Then again, I feel like I'm in my prime right now. I'm, I'm ready to rock. I'm ready to roll. But of course, anybody could always get better, you know? Right. The, the reason why I asked is because I listen to rappers and every fucking album is the same shit. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, yeah. don't you guys leave any type of room for improvement or for... Evolution. Yeah, yeah. man. Shit, if, if you listen to some of my older stuff, I really didn't sing as much. Okay. Like this past album, I'm bringing more melodic stuff into it. I'm singing more, getting more, uh, getting a little more jazzy with it. You know? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um... So now, you start um, start recording. Uh, when did you actually go into the studio, studio, if you will, and say, I'm getting ready to release my shit? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I dropped my first actual album when I was 19 years old. Okay, let's start right there. 19 years old, 
who produced it? You know, did you write it all? Yeah, yeah. Wrote everything. Local homies produced the project. You know, shout out to my chamber homies. Okay. Out there in the 626 West Covina, my boy Spock Beats, um, Frankie Valentine. Our original production, which was actually very cool to me because I was used to always rocking on mixtape stuff. So mm -hmm. to get all original production from some homies was cool. And uh, yeah, like I said, 19 years old was my first official solo album. Um, I've had... I think I dropped maybe four since then, four solo albums since then, bunch of collaborations, bunch of compilations. But uh, yeah, I'm on my fifth solo album now. Okay. Yeah. Before we get to the fifth one, let's take with the with the first one. Yeah. You release it. What's the title of it? How many tracks were in it? And how was the response? Like I said, this was back in the day. Right. Right. You know, I was 19 years old, so it's not like the fan base was was super big back right. then or anything like that. Um, it was there was 15 tracks. The response was cool. Um, like I said, I, I was I've always been real jazzy and funky with it. So that that album was strictly strictly jazz, bro. Like just uh, mad jazz samples. Okay. I was real deep into into like just getting like funky melodic jazz samples. You know, right. That's, that was like my main thing back then because I I still at that time hadn't found my producers who had that original production, you know? Right. You hadn't I, found your sound, possibly? I, I hadn't found my sound, and I was still messing with producers who were very sample-based okay. instead of, like, original production, you know? Okay. So I was still working with what I could get at that time, but there were still very dope producers, you know? Okay. They were still cool. So you released it. The response was cool, you Re said? response was cool. Okay. How, how long after did you start working on your second one? Probably another couple years. I did one compilation with my boy Archive from Chamber. We called that one There and Back. Um, that one actually got better response because it was a couple years after and I was a little bit older. More people were catching on. And at that time, I had already uh, I had linked up with underground vet uh, Abstract Rude. I'm sure you, if you ever heard of yeah. Ab Rude, Freestyle Fellowship Project, mm -hmm. Blow It All Them. I started linking up with them and, and they were... Uh, kind of bigging me up and promoting me and shit like that so that was probably around 2011 2012 and ever since then man ever since i i met abstract root and i started linking up with him that's when i truly felt that uh that this artistry thing was was where i needed to be and, and i was right where i needed to be pretty much okay yeah. okay so you did that uh your debut album at age of 19 yeah then you did a compilation did a compilation and then you did your i did a, a second solo which ended up being on Abstract Rude's label, okay. which was Keep the Feel Entertainment. Okay. And that was a dream come true too, bro, because I had always listened to Abstract Rude in middle school and high school, and I was real attracted to the underground scene as well. Besides the funk and besides the dog pounds and the quicks and the high C's and the Tony A's, I was, uh, I was real attracted to the, to the Bloatians, you know, the, the Freestyle Fellowships, the Riflemans, the, the, the Two Mexes. Yeah. You know, the Cholo Lanzincos and cats like that. Yeah. Did, did you listen to the Two Mex interview at all? I hadn't got a chance to yet. When you get a chance, listen to it, man, because... Uh, we'll do, we'll do. Uh, Shout out to Max, my big homie. Yeah, that one right there was... Um, this is episode 86, okay? But there were a few that really, really... I enjoy every single one. I enjoy sitting across from a person and learning from the person. Right. You know, uh, regardless of what history or who I work with or what I've done, that shit doesn't matter to me. It's me learning from the individual that I'm sitting with and learning from the individual yeah, because yeah. you're never too old to learn. You know, well, you don't, I don't know it all. So I always want to keep learning. 
okay? Mm -hmm. So That's to sure. me, it's a joy to be able to sit down and talk to someone and learn from them. I don't care that he's younger than me, you know? Uh, uh, they're, they're, they could, you could say one thing that could change my thinking about whatever, okay? Now I got you about to go check out The Last Emperor, right? Hey, yeah. That was one thing right there. There you go. Dope MC right there. And uh, when I sat with Two Mix, like, I learned a lot from that guy, man. Like, I really learned a lot. Yeah, I sat with too. Tony G right here. Oh, yeah. Shout out Tony G. You know, I learned so much. I was asking a question that I wanted to know, to, to know okay? Um, that's right. Jo Joe Cooley, my, my superhero. Legend, you know? That's right. And I could keep going on, but there's some certain interviews that that really like stand out to me and that I, I learned so so much from. That's and dope. you know, so and I and I hope that the fans that watch Rodian Radio actually learn uh uh from uh my guest as well. Because there's been people he, that have come here. I posted up the flyers and people said, Oh no, not that fucking lame, that fucking loser, that guy can't fucking rap, that guy this. Then he comes and sits down, shares his struggles, shares his story and how he's trying to make it. The next day, those same fucking bastards yeah. come to me. Yeah, man, you know what? They got uh, a different perspective on it. Different perspective, man. So that's why I said, antes de hablar is one up inside. You know what? It's better for you to, to think before you speak. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, facts, facts. Yes. So other than that, um, so now you're working on your third album. At what point in time did you actually meet Cocaine? Okay, yeah. So the Cocaine thing was cool, man. Big up Uncle Coca. Um I think that was probably 2015, 16. Okay. So getting a little bit later, later through the years. I actually had an interview, or actually he had an interview at the B-Side show. It's an internet radio station in the city of Covina as yeah, well. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I did that early 2019. Oh, okay, dope, dope. Yeah. Hell yeah, the good people's right there, man. Yeah. It's fam right there. Shout out Rabbit, shout out Shay, everybody else right there involved. Um, so yeah, Cocaine got a, had an interview that same day. I don't live too far from there, so I just decided to pull up, see what would happen. Long story short, I'm in the parking lot ciphering with uh, Cadillac Ron, rest in peace. I'm not sure if you ever heard of Cadillac Ron, but rest in peace to the OG. And um, man, Cocaine walks by, bro, and he just hears me hears me spitting some raps, and he's like, ooh. He's like, ooh, cuz. He's like, I'm about to talk to you later. And he's like, let me go do this interview, then I'm going to holler at you. I was like, all right, cool, bro, dope, dope. Did his interview, came back out, and was just like, hey, homie, I'm trying to fuck with you, man. You got bars. I want you to come to my video shoot tomorrow with the Dirty OGs in Griffith Park. So he invited me to a video shoot with Corrupt, Trey D, The Chiller, Compton's Most Wanted, Big Weasel Lope. And uh, it was cool, man. Everything happened to work out cool that day, bro. I got my connections cracking, linked up with Gotti, linked up with Roscoe. And uh, it was a very good day, bro. It was, it was a, a great day to say the least, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. That's good. You, yeah. you, you know, when I first met Cocaine, he probably won't remember. It was the same day that I met Hutch, uh, 187. Cocaine, okay. yeah, yeah. 1988, here in Torrance, California, Audio Achievements, uh, Dre was producing Above the Law's first album. Ah, shit. That's, that's some, uh, some hip-hop history for that ass right there. Man, and there I was. Me, I was the only Mexican in there, and Steve Yano was the only Japanese guy in there. So, and I'm just in there learning. I like learning. Yeah, I, yeah. I like learning, bro. I like reading. I like listening to people. Somebody one day told me, you know what, look, learn, make up your mind later. You know, once you hear people's conversation, you know, because I met some people that weren't even all there yet as far as like at their peak mm -hmm. and already had their head this big. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to stay away from that guy. Yeah, for you sure. Know? But uh, um, 
I'll tell you a story, a break of the guy I'm talking about. Oh, uh, oh, what ended up happening? He should have been, he should have been larger than life. Damn. But something happened. And then uh, I'll let you know after, because I, I'm not going to put a person like that on blast. That's all good. So, I respect that. But I met him there. Uh, um, and uh, so, you know what? I was very fortunate and very blessed. And I'm humbled by the memories of getting to meet NWA when they first started. Uh, meeting Dre at the Swamp Meet, meeting Jinx at the Swamp Meet, meeting uh, ECE at the Swamp Meet, and then having all of them come to my house, rap on my mixtapes, multiple times coming over my house, having lunch with them, Dre giving me a ride home from the studio, you know, yeah. and I, I never knew what they were going to ever become. Yeah, yeah. You know, exactly. so so when people say, you know, how was it with them working with those guys, you know, on the mixtapes? You didn't even know. I, yeah. Yeah. The, you know. The everyday type of people, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. You know. I mean, I could be sitting here with you and like, yeah, we're drinking Modelo's. I'm cool dude. And then maybe a year later, you could be the next billionaire. Yeah, who knows? And they tell me, how was it? It was cool. We were drinking Modelo's. <laughs> just chilling. <laughs> right. You know. So now, yeah. um, so you hook up. What well, what happens after that video shoot? Yeah, yeah. Just to go back to the cocaine thing. Um, yeah, so that video shoot was very dope. Few months went by, you know, really nothing, no, no communication with him. And uh, one day, one day, my boy Guap, Cece the Mamacita in Guap City, mm -hmm. they actually hollered at me and they were like, "Yo, Cocaine wants to talk to you. He remembers you." So shout out Guap and shout out Cece. I appreciate y'all for real, for real. Thank you. That kind of reconnected us together. Ended up on the phone with Coca and he was like, "Hey man, you want to be a part of Buddy Boy, which is his independent label?" I was like, "Hey man, shit, let's let's knock something out." We ended up dropping a, a full-length LP on his label, which is Buddy Boy Entertainment. That album's called Namsterdam. You could go ahead and cop that yeah. on all the uh, social media platforms and everything like that. But uh, yeah, man, so that was very dope to be able to work with the, the king of G-Funk, you know, the legend, the, one of the originators of that real G-Funk shit. And he's on like six hooks on the project too. So yeah. it was kind of like, a, what, what's the album with him and Snoop? Um, the Last Meal. Yeah. It was kind of like a last meal, a new age last meal, you know, yeah. had cocaine on, on half of the album pretty much, man. So that was pretty big for me at the time. Very grateful for that. And he, he opened a lot of doors for me, man. Like if, if it wasn't for cocaine, I don't think I'd be in the spot where I, where I am right now, you know. So okay. I, I got to shout out to Big Homie. Yeah. Okay. So now I want to put you on the spot again. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's do it. I'm ready for it. Uh, on the West Coast, there's few people that we can say this about. Okay. Uh, few people. Who would you say, yes, that's the question. <laughs> who is the king of the hooks? Well, I'll tell you who the most featured artist is. That's, okay. that's Cocaine. Okay, the most featured artist. Yeah. But. The king of the hooks. Here in the West Coast. Yeah, here in the West Coast. I'm going to give it to four cats. Obviously, there's Nate Dogg, rest in peace. Right. That is the most known. Yes. You know, but there's also Butch Cassidy. There's also Bo Rock. And there's also Cocaine. Okay. So those are like the four musketeers right there, you know. Now you have to pick one. If I had to pick one, man. You're see, not going to hurt nobody's feelings, bro. Just, ah. See, because I'm trying to be honest, though. If I had to pick one, well, I already got cocaine on six hooks, right? So it's like if I had to pick one person to work with right now, is that what you're talking about? No, no, no. Or just like one, just one. one. He's the king of the hooks. I wouldn't be in the place I am if it wasn't for cocaine, man. I got to go with cocaine. Okay. You know? And I know you wouldn't argue if I said uh, Nate Dogg. Of course. Yeah, of course. It's A1 and AB right there, you right. know? Right. So 
everybody knows what time it is with Nate, dog. You can't yeah. go wrong with Nate. Yeah. So. No, rest in peace to Nate. Rest dog, in bro. peace, Nate, dog, man. Yeah. The illest, one of the illest, one yeah. of the goats, for real. Yeah. I, shit, everybody cried when Tupac died, or a lot of people cried when Nipsey died. I cried when Nate Dog died, bro. That was like, that was my my dude right there, you know. Right. Right. And it's crazy how I'm doing music with his son now. His son's on my my first single off my new album, No Dress Code. Shout out Inhale, aka Baby Nate Dog. It's, it's crazy. Crazy how shit works out, you know. How, how did you end up meeting uh, uh, Nate Dog's son? Well, I had actually did a, a song with his other brother, with uh, with Nate Dog's other son. I mean, little Nate Dog. There's okay. a little Nate Dog and a baby Nate Dog. Okay. So I ended up meeting up with them through the homies from West Coast Creations. Shout out Johnny Dopey, all the homies from West Coast Creations, man. And uh, yeah, we ended up just linking up like that. I feel like people could tell what the vibes are. If you're a G-Funk kid, if you appreciate this West Coast art, you could kind of tell right away. So right when I met those cats, it was like good vibes. Right. Ended up in the lab the next day and shit, it was history from there. Okay. Uh, put you on the spot again. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask you two top West Coast producers. Ah, shit. The two top West Coast producers. Okay. Give me your num number two. DJ Quick. Give me a number one. Battle Cat. Really? Yeah. Hey, you know what? I'm not going to argue. Much love, much respect to Battle Cat. Yeah, yeah. I'd have to keep it like that, though. Uh, okay. For me, I'll give you my top four. If you want to give me other two, it's cool. We can do that for okay. sure. Okay. Let me start with my number one. All right. My number one has to be Dr. Dre. Okay. And I do have to say probably the best hip-hop producer ever. My opinion. He's probably my number three. Okay. It's Dr. Dre because I've seen him work. I've been to his apartment in Paramount. He's taught me how to sample. Um, he showed me a lot. You know, in a short amount of time, and we're talking about late 80s, you know, and I always like to make sure that I tell people, I don't know the Dr. Dre of today, you know, the billionaire Dre. Mm -hmm. I don't. I just knew him for that short amount of time from like 87 to 91. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's... The last conversation I actually had with them in person was uh, when the Chronic album first dropped, you know. And, he, and that was 91, right? Yeah, it was 91. Yeah. 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 So for me, you know, that, that was the last conversation. I haven't talked to him since then. So, of course, we try to get a hold of him for the, the documentary. Mm -hmm. um, and to be honest with you, we pretty much try to get a hold of him for a whole year. We tried through his brother, uh, uh, um, Warren G. We tried through Sir Jinx. We tried through Violet Brown. We tried through everybody, okay? Like, seriously, everybody. And he just wouldn't get back because um, the message kept getting cock-blocked by his secretary. So, mm. to be quite honest with you, I don't even know if he ever even got one message. He probably didn't even get one. So, and same thing with, same thing with Cube. Same thing, okay? So, but, yeah, we had Warren G. We had Violet Brown. We had uh, Lonzo, Arabian Prince, Sir Jinx, all in the documentary, all except him. Damn. So, Damn. To me, Dre would be number one. Number two, uh, uh, and now from, I would probably have to say DJ Quick, okay? I seen the same thing. He taught me, he shared with me, he gave me all his sound, and he's younger than me. I don't care if a person's younger than me. If I can learn, I will learn, yeah, okay? Yeah, so. Third, obviously, um, and these two are not in order. I would have to say Sir Jinx, okay? If you listen to all the body of work that he's done with Ice Cube, yeah, yeah. from No Vaseline, the number one disc record in the world. It is. 
Okay, it is produced by Sir Jinx. Okay, and I met him when he was 17 years old. My very first record that I ever did was Sir Jinx. Uh, I mean, it was with Sir Jinx in 1987. Uh, mm -hmm. I did some scratching for the owner of uh, uh, VIP Records, Calvin Anderson. He released it on a record label called Thin Line Records that came out of uh, VIP. Um, then, of course, Battle Cat. Yeah, yeah. And sure. that's pretty much where I'll stop my top four. So that's a solid four right there. Yeah, man. You know. So you want to add any more? Well, like I said, it probably Dre would be my third. Okay. And um, well, you said Jinx, but man, I just have to rock with DJ Pooh. Okay, of course. You know, yeah, of you course. know, I just, for some reason, it's just DJ Pooh, man. Just I, I love what he does. Dude, let me see. I know DJ Pooh, and I want to say I know. I'm not trying to say like I can call him up and we can have carnes at the barbecues, hmm. but I know his body of work from Toddy T to Mixmaster Spade yeah. to King T. Yeah, word. we're talking about all 80 shit. Yeah, word, okay. Word. Hell yeah. I mean, DJ Pooh is the shit, bro. So, and and by the way, the writer of Friday. I don't care what anybody says, you know, change my mind. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> and, and of course, there's underground legends like DJ Fat Jack, who produced a lot of stuff for all the Project Blowcast. And he never gets a lot of recognition, man. But DJ Fat Jack's one of the illest, especially in this L.A. underground scene. So, Well, I'm yeah. glad you're, you're mentioning these guys because a lot of these guys deserve the light. Yeah, for sure. You know, yeah. uh, there's people behind the scenes that are humble and modest like I've been for years. And my, my son's the one that told me, Dad, you need to start speaking up. And you, I'm like, You're one of the humblest, man. And but I'm like... I, mijo, I don't want to sound cocky. You're not. Just share what you've done. So that's why I... John's told me the same shit. So anyways, brother. So now uh, talk about what can people expect from Namek going forward? Is any are, are you dropping anything this year? Anything new? Because I know you just dropped that single with uh, Nate Dogg's son. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, how, how was that doing? How was the response? That one's going pretty good right now. Um this album or that single is actually on this album called no dress code okay which just released on uh july 24th on thump records thump records slash final level music which is a hanji and, and ice tea's thing you know yeah so shout out to hanji for picking me up og hanji rhyme syndicate he's actually managing me right now he was in the building a while ago but yeah, he, had, he, he had to take off so big up hanji and he actually introduced me him and the homie spider introduced me to uh this cat bill walker from thump records yeah so we actually uh we linked up together and you know this new album no dress code is on thump records now man so that's that's low-key a dream come true because you know obviously you know growing up and always listening to thump records and the oldies and the mixtapes at the swap meets and everything like that is a it's a pretty good feeling to just be fucking with them like that now okay yeah. okay um let me ask you this today's music um and when I say today's music, the stuff that's being played, let's just narrow it down to a Power 106 and a K-Day. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you, first of all, let me ask you, do you listen to radio? You said K-Day. I may listen to a little bit of K-Day here and there. Okay. Yeah. What about Power? Very rarely. Okay. But here and there, you know, just, just to keep my ears open and right. just to stay up on tune with what these motherfuckers are listening to. I rarely, well, no, I, I don't even want to use the word rarely because I listen to like K-Earth 101. Yeah, I, I probably listen to that more than I do Power, to be honest with you. Okay. <laughs> I don't listen to Power no more. I don't listen to KD anymore. Um, I, I'm, I'm very, very like, I, I want to say disappointed with today's music. I, I completely understand you, my boy. Okay. I already know. And uh, where it's gone because today it's not about... Um, 
Let me say it the way this guy said it. MC Magic, uh, much love, much respect to MC Magic, he said. Because I told him, if there's a youngster out there trying to rap right now, and he said, can you give me a pointer or can you, uh, you know, lead me into the right direction? What should I do? He said this. He said, well, try to be independent. He said, because today's record labels are no longer looking for talent. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about that. They're mm-hmm. no longer looking for talent. I've known people that have told me, how does she look? They're almost just worried about how does the person look. It's look first, talent second. Yeah. When before it was like, fuck what you look, that dude can rap. Yeah, yeah. Right. Th- that's what it was. That's what hip hop was built on. Right. Okay. I mean, think about this. Prove me wrong. You look at, if you were a DJ in the 80s and hip hop was coming out, you usually got a 12 inch with no cover as far as nobody's picture. Mm-hmm. It was just a, a white cover, black cover, stripes, like profile or whatever. But no cover. You never knew what they looked like. You never knew what they looked like because image was not important. Today is image first, talent second. Yeah, it, I know. And, and it sucks. It sucks. It's because you could find a girl that's got some big ass titties, a big old ass, who's in shape. Damn, I could make her a star. Can she sing? Hell no. That bitch can't even speak English. You know, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll give her somebody to teach her something. Mm-hmm. That's that, true, bro. That's the sad part. That's the sad part, you know. And then there's, you know, a, a female out there who's not really that attractive, but... You can sing her ass sing off. Sing her ass off. You yeah. know, so, you know, and then today, I know a lot of rappers that won't even rap anymore. They'll just rap off of their, their CD, their album. Yeah. You know, and... So Times have changed, brother. Yes. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm right in the middle of the mix, too. Yeah. You know, I'm... My age is, you know, I'm not the oldest, I'm not the youngest. So I, I feel like I've seen it, and at the same time, I'm seeing it, you know. Right. I've seen the past, and I'm seeing the future right now, and I'm just like, God damn. Like, Look, whatever, I, and I know you know this, so allow me to remind you. Whatever money you make off of this, invest in something else, bro. Yeah. That way you could continue to do what you love, but the money keeps coming in somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, for so, sure, for damn sure. So, anyways... Um, at this point in time, our time is running out, my brother. Anything okay. that I didn't ask you or maybe you didn't answer, like, oh, yeah, let's go back to, uh, is there anything coming out this year? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So like I said, the new album out, No Dress Code, under uh, Final Level Music Thump Records, once again, Big Up Hanji. Wow. That album right there features Bo Rock of the Dove Shack, YBE, Sloan Bone of Mo Thugs, um, yeah, plenty more too, man. Go ahead and cop that. As for the rest of the year, though, man, me and my homie Jimmy Lokes, we got this shit called the the Raider Nation Blackout Compilation. Mm-hmm. So we do that every year. This one's Volume Three. We have a lot of heavy hitters on this one, man. We got Crooked Eye, we got Baldacci, we got Sloan of Compton's Most Wanted, we got the big homie Cocaine, and plenty plenty more out there to name too, man. I can't I can't think of everybody, but shout out to everybody who was a part of that. That'll be coming out later on this year in September. Um, once again, Raider Nation Blackout. Looking forward to that shit. Once again, big up to my boy Jimmy Lokes. And it started out as a Raider Nation type thing, but it kind of evolved into like just quality music, quality hip hop. Really don't mention the Raiders too much on there because I know there's a lot of cats out there like yourself, who's a Cowboys fan but appreciates good music. I see the helmet. I see the helmet. I see the helmet. It's all good. <laughs> but I'm over here dropping <laughs> Bruce you, Lee and Adam Bong. So you feel me though? Yes, sir. So. So yeah, that's coming out soon. As far as everything else in the future, um, once again, I'm, I'm linked up with Hanji now, Final Level Music, and I just feel like a 
there's a lot of good stuff ahead of us, man. <laughs> Even though this whole coronavirus is fucking the world up. Yes. I don't believe all the hype. I know it, I know everything's uh happens for a reason, but I don't, I don't believe all this hype, bro. You know, I know I know you don't either. I I am not a mask guy, bro. I'm not a mask guy. <laughs> I feel you. You know, same so if you see me, you're not going to fucking see me like this, homie. So Yeah, me neither. But I have one last question before we take off. What was that? And it's coming from uh, Rodin Radio Fan. Okay. So. Ask him if he considers himself Chicano rap. That's a great question. I am from Thump Records, right? What does that mean? I don't know. I'll, I'll, let, that, I'll let that fan answer that for themselves. I'll give it like five seconds. Answer that right quick. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not even looking at it. <laughs> no. So yeah, to answer that question, no, for real, I'm not a Chicano rapper. I'm a rapper who's Chicano. You know, at the end of the day, I'm a hip hop head. You know, I, I truly try to incorporate the culture and everything that I do. Yeah. And that, that's how it's been since day one. I'm a hip hop head. Just so happens I'm from Thump Records now and I happen to be doing a few collaborations with certain cats who consider themselves Chicano rappers. But I'm a hip hop head, bro. You know, and that's what it boils down to. I'm a hip-hop head, too, bro. <laughs> yeah. Nobody ever asked me if I was a Chicano DJ, yeah. if I was a Chicano producer, if I was a Chicano dancer, you know, Chicano what? lover. <laughs> so why do I got to be a Chicano rapper, you know? Are you a Chicano podcaster? You know, I mean, I'm just me. Fuck. I'm just me, my you G. Know? You know? <laughs> I, I happen to be Chicano, and I love my culture. I love my people. I love my family. I'm a hip-hop head. I love Chicanas. I love Chicanas. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, the number one women in the world. The number one. Anyways, everybody, uh, you done with shout outs? Shout outs, big up to everybody holding me down. Once again, big up Han G, big up Jimmy Lokes, big up the whole 626, big up my boy Cocaine. Once again, Buddy Boy Entertainment. If it wasn't for y'all, I wouldn't be in this position, y'all. Final level, big up Ice T, Abstract Rule, Chamber Records, Impact Movement, holding it down. Cookie Ruiz, I see you. Let's help out the homeless because that's the only thing we can do in these times. And if you look around, you, you look in these streets, and uh, you see what's really going on right now. It's not good. Right. It's not good. You know, l let's stop thinking about ourselves for a minute. Look outside the window and see, like, yo, we need to make a difference in this community, man. So make sure we do that. Let's keep rocking. Much love, yeah. Yo. Okay, everybody, I'm going to leave mine kind of short. But uh, make sure you guys subscribe to Freaky Tales Podcast. Freaky Tales Podcast. We go live next Friday. Uh, seven o'clock so i know a lot of you guys don't go out because of corona shit so you're gonna be home stuck with us and we're gonna be talking about this ghost story type of shit so um believe me it's gonna be something a little bit different hope you guys like the scenery we're gonna be at, at a totally different studio it's not gonna be here at rodian radio like the, what you guys saw at, on the podcast or should i say on the commercial uh, on the the podcast page also follow us at freaky tales on ig on instagram Okay. Um, oh, sun, Sunday, I'm going to release the email. I need everybody to listen to this. I'm going to release the email where you can submit your, uh, your freaky tale if you want. Whatever scary story you have, submit it. Try to, yeah, try to keep it less than, well, about two paragraphs. Because what I'm going to do every Friday, I'm going to read someone's uh, freaky tale, someone's ghost story, something. You know, si se te pareció el diablo, si te pareció el chupacabras, si te pareció la, la llorona, uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and read it. If you want to remain anonymous, 
cool re, re, uh, state that if you want your name read state that okay and we'll go ahead and uh at the very end of the show um every week we're going to show uh share somebody's uh story okay so uh, I think it'll be very, very interesting. And we're going to choose two different topics per night. We're going to cover two different topics. One night we may talk about uh, aliens. Um, right after that, we may talk about El Diablo. After that, we may just talk about, you know, Chupacabras. After that, La Llorona. After that, your baby's mama. Who knows? After that, La, La Puta. You never know. Okay? So, um, make sure you guys subscribe. Other than that, John motherfucking Elkins, uh, he sold out of pocket pussies. Too late. He sold out of anal bleach. But uh, we're going to recop. We'll be back with that. So um, I think the only pocket pussies we have left are the Latino ones, right, Johnny? Uh, yeah, the Latino the ones. ones. Oh, the, oh, the Chinese ones, but those go sideways. <laughs> okay, yeah, so we got some of those. But you, you can eat them like a sandwich and blow them like a harmonica. Yeah, you can eat them like a sandwich and blow them like a harmonica. Oh, okay, wow. so yeah, the Chinese ones, uh, they're kind of lagging a little bit, but they're going to pick up. So make sure you guys get yours. Other than that, um, the Latina uh, pocket, the Chicana pocket pussies, those have hair. So if you guys are into that shit, get them. We have about three left. Okay, one of them is used, but don't worry about it. Okay. Other than that, um, my brother, Spice Smuggler, he still got the refurbished dick pumps. Okay. And if you guys want some edibles, make sure you guys hit him up, Spice Smuggler at uh, Instagram. Uh, my son, B Scanless, for helping me promote this. And uh, going back to Freaky Tales, we're going to have. Uh, special guest special guest the first two weeks is just going to be me spice smuggler after that we're going to have special guests whether they're rappers whether they're paranormal or specialists whatever okay sometimes we may even have some of you fans as a guest on freaky tales that's the truth okay i'll buy that for a dollar but anyways other than that Thank you for coming, brother. Just want to say right quick, too. Thank you for the platform, my boy. I appreciate you. Thank you for the hip-hop history. Let's keep rocking, man. Good looking. You know what I'm going to say? The haters come out tonight. You know. The haters come out tonight. <laughs> they do. The haters come out tonight. The haters come out. The haters come out tonight. That's another fact. The haters come out tonight.